All right, live here from the Indiana Convention Center. Good Wednesday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton back in studio. We are in the Hoosier Quarter. Jake Query, I guess maybe it should be called the Hawkeye Quarter after last Boy. night. Uh, we are live here at the Convention Center. A whole lot to get to on today's show combine related nick sirianni going to join us here uh, around 7 40 on this wednesday morning peter king uh, going to join us as well he's got a fun event coming up this weekend uh, over at sun king with shane steichen so looking forward to chatting with the pro football hall of fame voter uh, but jake let's begin on the hardwood from last night and I would say one of the best performances the Indiana Hoosiers have had in years on Saturday night was followed by one of the worst in last night. I remember, and it seems like months ago, but on Monday, which was 48 hours ago, we were talking about the fact that Indiana is going to go as their guards go and that they can overcome off nights from Trace Jackson Davis, they cannot overcome off nights from their guards, and they got it last night. They got proof of it. Not, but I think you could look, Kevin, at... They had some defensive issues, too, th- last that's night. The, that's what I was just going to say. You, you could look at the fact that Jalen hood Shafino had a stretch there where I think he missed, what, eight or ten straight shots, something like that. What they need to do offensively, in my opinion, is orchestrate their sets to go to Jalen hood Shafino's mid-range pull-up game first and then let everything feed off of that and let him get in rhythm because when he gets hot you know we, we know what can happen but defensively they were completely lost Iowa last night absolutely carved Indiana apart their screens their Perkins ability to to drive to the basket Murray's ability to both pull up for three and for their the way that they rotated to move the ball around. That was an absolute clinic by Iowa, and it looked for Indiana like a team that, kudos to them for sweeping Purdue, but it looked like a team that was completely either too immature or too high on itself to go out and put together back-to-back games. And that was... You got to win. You got to. They played well against Purdue. Obviously, they looked fantastic. You have to do that six times in a row in the NCAA tournament, and if you can't do that, and you come back with that kind of performance, forty-eight hours after a big win, Indiana is going to have a short month. Boy, what a special night for Tony Perkins, the LN product. 23 points, uh, 10 rebounds, 8 assists for him. I mean, you talk about games you would circle on the calendar if you are an Indiana high school product, and he was outstanding. Chris Murray looked like the first-round pick that he will be coming up in a few months. But, you know, when you think back to the first matchup, I guess the first time Indiana beat Purdue earlier in February and how they responded. I mean, they beat a Rutgers team that had had their number in previous years. Um, and I kind of felt like the same thing would have been there for Iowa in that you wouldn't be worried about them being locked in. Iowa's had Indiana's number uh, in the two seasons, and Mike Woodson has been the head coach. They've been very poor again on the defensive side of the ball. And it's not like... It was the home meeting with Purdue the first time. You know, when you have the Saturday afternoon home meeting, can you imagine what that Saturday night was like when Indiana beat Purdue the first time for those guys in Bloomington? Whereas the second time, you're obviously up in West Lafayette. You're not getting back to Bloomington until very late. Um, I, I just, 
I expected a little bit more. I, they look like they not only got back late, but then they went ahead and started the party then. Yeah, and partied until the sun I rose mean, honestly, on, I, on Sunday morning. And that was you know from the outset. Eight, eight nothing to start the game. Mike Woodson takes that early timeout. And that was easily we'll, – we'll play some Woodson audio here in a few minutes. It was easily the most – Pissed off, short, snippy, however you want to describe it. Mike embarrassed? Woodson Should have been embarrassed, right? Well, and I think he used that word. Um, he was very, very candid in those post-game comments. So, Indiana, 90-68. to They lose to Iowa. Jake, in the history of the program, that's got to be one of the biggest losses for a ranked Indiana team at home to an unranked opponent. Boy, that's a... a if not the high, I mean, because they were, I mean, at one point, they were down 25, 26 late, and you're thinking, you know, now. They had a kid kiss the crowd. That's me, how bad it was last night. I, let me say this about Iowa. And I'm going to be old guy, grew up watching Bob Knight guy, and I apologize. Maybe not. Maybe I don't apologize for this. The kid kisses the crowd for Iowa. He gets teched up for it. The fact that he, there were, that, that, and I realize, I mean, you're up 20, 25 points. You never stop coaching the game. And Fran McCaffrey coached a clinic yesterday, coached an absolute clinic. Where he aired was that when you have a player on your team that conducts, I mean, it's pretty innocuous, but nonetheless gets an unsportsmanlike technical foul called and gives up two points for it and then comes to the, to the sidelines and is still laughing, and everybody's laughing with them, and there's no repercussion of you just cost your team two points? I couldn't believe... Jake, they're up 22 minutes to go. No, no, no. I get it. I get it. But you coach the game until the end, till the final horn. And you can't allow something to go past with, like, laughter and giggles. I get it. You're up 20. The game's over. I totally get it. He could have stripped naked if I were Fran. I'd be fine with it. But what I'm saying is you still have to discipline the kid of there are rules to be followed and you don't break them when you represent my team. But aside from that, the other thing that I will say, I saw last night people saying like, hey, don't be too critical of them. They're college kids. I understand that. That argument now, though, is done because they're getting paid. Every kid on the Indiana team is getting, what, forty-three grand guaranteed? And NIL money, and some of them are making well, 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 well over six figures. Sorry, but with that comes the surrender of immunity of criticism. That was a horrific performance. It was completely flat. It was lifeless. And it was the reason why every time Indiana fans want to smoke cigars and do happy foot dances on the Internet and do backflips about how they're back, people don't take it seriously because to be back, you have to win back-to-back games. You beat a team on the road that's your arch rival and a wonderful performance. You need to come back and at least show some sign of effort when you're playing an unranked team at home. Yeah, you got to be better with a little bit of a bullseye on your back. Yes. And, and again, in the f- Responding from the first Purdue win, they did that with Rutgers. Uh, wasn't the prettiest performance, but they were able to get that done last night. The furthest thing from that, and they're you know when you get into this part of the season, you know last night being the final day of February. 
January, obviously the first day of March today, losses like last night involve January implications, and that is probably going to take them out of the double bye in the Big Ten tournament and certainly have some NCAA tournament seating. So it'll be senior day for Trace Jackson Davis and company coming up on Sunday. That'll be Michigan to close out the regular season. Again, we are live here at the Indiana Convention Center, downtown Indianapolis, the Combine. Uh, we're going to hear from Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen later today. Steichen will meet the media at 2.30, Chris Ballard at 3.30. We'll have Shane Steichen join us on the show coming up on Friday in about a half hour, Nick Sirianni is going to join us. Really looking forward to that conversation. Um, yeah, I know some Colts fans aren't the biggest Nick Sirianni fans. I think he's a pretty good dude. And so I'm looking forward to chatting with him. Jake, workouts get started tomorrow. Uh, today, what you'll see at the podium for people out there curious what's going on at the Combine, uh, you could have some of the early, early non-quarterbacks uh, chatting with the media. That would be Will Anderson, a potential number one overall pick. He's going to meet the media at 9, and then Jalen Carter at 10.30. So if you're the Chicago Bears, who happen to be sitting right next to us, um, you would think there would be some interest. I feel bad for the fellows from Chicago. I got here like 15 minutes ago, and they're already on the air, and then I'm thinking, it's an hour earlier there. Wow. Like, what are they doing? Like, who in Chicago is up at 5 in the morning listening to Sports Talk Radio? They are the big market, Jake. Like, Degenerates. Like, like this gal next to the, the Bears are already setting up next to us, the, the radio I, guys. I over just there. saw Ryan like, Poles, Mark. They're not the messing GM. around. Well, you guys need to put in a good word. Tell them, you know, hey, we'll give you whatever you want. Are you guys trading your pick? The, the, the Bears gal, she says she doesn't know. Yeah, she, she just called it. the cops. I saw her flag down <laughs> security. <laughs> She's like, look, I just came to set up a camera. Yeah. Why, why is this guy hassling mm-hmm. me? Yeah, she just took a picture of you and sent it over to the security guard there. I, I saw the Ryan Poles yesterday, and I wanted to be like, take whoever you want for all they're worth. That's what you need to do. Just, just. Uh, Looks like Mark will be also uh, taken out of here. Security wise, have a sign up sheet there. outside his hotel room and have like you know 15 minute increments, kind of like how they have the player you know interviews. Oh boy, every oh team boy. signs up and you know make your best offer. He's he was here, the GM of the Bears, he's walking he was here around bright and early. Yeah, I, I saw him here a little bit earlier. Um, so a lot to get to today on the show, uh, Jake. Good news in Dallas last night, how the about Pacers that? In, in a game that. You know, I find this like watching NBA games at you know various points of the season. If you watched like the really up until five minutes ago in the fourth quarter last night, that game had some unbelievable shot making. There are nights yeah. where I watch NBA games where I'm just like, these dudes are insanely talented. Halliburton hit one shot from Waco, right? And they Dallas, and not to take away from what the Pacers did last night, which was a great performance and a great win, Dallas has some, and and it will work itself out, I am sure, but Dallas has some challenges with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving just meshing together. That's not to say that they're not going to do so. As a matter of fact, my understanding is Doncic is the one that was like, look, if you got a chance to get Kyrie Irving, like, let's go out and get him. Let's get him now. And so I don't, you know, there's not, I don't think there's any sort of like resentment there, but and two great talents, but that just takes a while, Kevin. That and especially a guy like Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is a dynamic player, but he's also a dynamic player that I think it takes some adjustment of getting used to playing with. Uh, but that's a great win for the Pacers, and now they are two away, right? Oh, two away, baby. Two away from thirty. I 
just gave Max a kiss this morning, said we're about ready to reach greatness, my friend, and uh, sent him off to school on this Wednesday morning. 28-35, and 35, the Pacers. That is back-to-back road wins for a team that went two months without a road win. So 124-122 last night. For those that missed it, Andrew Nemhard. Gets fouled with seven seconds to go. Pacers are up two. Jake, he misses both free throws. Dallas takes a timeout. They advance it. I could not believe that Luka Doncic did not touch the ball in the last possession. To your point, it was Kyrie. Yeah. And I thought T.J. McConnell played pretty good defense on that final possession. Irving tried to step back three, and like he had done all night, missed another three-pointer. He was 7 of 18 for the game. And the Pacers held on. Again, 124-122. Halliburton had 32. And I think you could make an argument right now that Miles Turner is playing the best basketball of his career. For me, it's the consistency. You know, he's had nights of 30. and I mean, hell, he didn't have 40 against Washington last year. I mean, he had 40 last week. But he had 24-8 and last night. And I think what you're seeing from Turner is just stringing some together, more consistency, and last night I thought was a good example. Dallas does not have some 6'11 imposing rim protector. But yet, how many nights have we seen throughout Turner's career teams go small against the Pacers and him not take advantage? You know, I thought last night he did a nice, a nice job of that. The thing about the Pacers that's really intriguing is nights like last night, Kevin, because they were very open about the fact that what they wanted to see at the beginning of the year was exactly how Miles Turner notably <clears throat> would benefit from playing with Tyrese Halliburton. And the pick and rolls and, and just the ability to, to get him into different areas. And to your point, it's the, most, it's the best year that Turner has had in, in terms of seeing what he can be offensively. Consistency. Correct. Night, night in and night out, for the, you know, especially when Halliburton's on the floor. Now... Last night is a glimpse, <clears throat> Kevin, of what they want to be, right? And, and, and where they, they have young players that are really good. And when you have young players, you're going to have nights where you look unbelievable that are followed up by nights where you wonder how this is an NBA team. And as you age and you mature, that what you then get is... <clears throat> Hopefully the latter part becomes fewer and further between, right? They have a really solid nucleus. And I'm not trying to be overly bullish on them, but, again, consistency is going to be what they're going to have to find over the course of time. But when you consider, Kevin, last night, the way Halliburton played, the way Turner plays with them, you know, Nimhard, who's on the floor late in the game. I thought Joan Mora and Jalen Smith Aaron, gave him some good And numbers. Aaron Neesmith played well, too, right? who was kind of like a, he's like the added bonus here. And then you throw in the fact that unless they trade, which is entirely possible, but, you know, they're going to have, what, four of the top 36 picks in the draft? I mean, if you hit on two of them, even to the level of like a Neesmith contribution, then you've really got something. I'm telling you, I think, and I know that it's, it's, it doesn't help us right now, you know, by the time the Pacers are really clicking and are a 1-3 to three seed in the East, we're going to be entering the prime of players who we're talking about today at the NFL Combine in terms of their draft status. Because we're probably two to three years from that. 
But they still need one more major piece. They do, but th- but that's what I'm talking about. Do they have four? Right, you, you, of the top you're in a position picks? to potentially get that. Coming yeah, up here. you either parlay those picks into getting that guy, or you draft one and let it grow organically. And last night was another great experience. And obviously, you know, you'll have people on two sides of the ledger, win or loss, what they want from the Pacers right now in those end of game moments. I just want them in those moments because I think it's so critical for the young guys on both ends of the floor. I mean, even a guy like Nemhard last night, he misses two free throws in a critical moment. He experiences that, gets used to that. The more you're in it, I think the more you're going to have success when the game is on the line like that. So it'll be San Antonio as this road trip continues coming up tomorrow night for Indiana, another 830 tip. The Spurs actually won last night. They had lost 16 straight games. Do you think we can rent out one of these ballrooms for the party once the Pacers hit 30? <laughs> the PBR party? You think we can do it here? There's These ballrooms, there are some massive rooms here in the convention center. We we couldn't fill this little area that oh, we're what in. What do you mean? Right? The little, the little. You rattle off three people every day that you know. <laughs> that doesn't mean they three show times. Up Mark, how long have we done this show? It's <laughs> got to be a year and a half by now. He was running into so, people at the combine, just walking around yesterday. I'm like, how do you know that person? Ah, oh, old friends. I'm like, oh, okay. He was, there you everybody. go. <laughs> Invite them. <clears throat> I don't know about that. I'll lay the land here for those that um, have never, I guess, been to the combine. I would say Radio Row is fairly crowded. Not. At this hour, Jake, but I mean, the Bears, that says table 40 on it. So you've got at least 40 teams and radio um, stations set up here in the convention center. On the other side of this curtain right next to us, it used to be the bench press. They've taken the bench press right. out. Um, they're saving that till the final day of the combine, and that's being done inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. But on the other side of the curtain, is that's the national media. So those are the big wigs over there. The podiums are over there as well. And as I mentioned, Shane Steichen at 2.30 today, Chris Ballard at 3.30. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Chris Ballard's going to join John live here uh, coming up this afternoon. Kevin, let me tell you what concerns me. I mentioned yesterday that I can recall when I worked on the TV side, which would have been, you know, 20 years ago. When the combine would come to town, it literally, you know, I'm working with Dave first, and we'd, we'd be sitting there, and Dave would literally be like, hey, the, so the combine's here this week. We need to go over and get a Vosat. And a Vosat, for those that don't know television, a Vosat means a voiceover and then a sound over tape. So when you're watching the local news and they're showing highlights, and then they say, afterwards, here's Mike Woodson. That's a Vosat. The, the voiceover is the video you're seeing. The Sot is the sound of her tape. The you sound didn't get a lot of Sot from Mike Woodson last yeah, night. Yeah, you're, tell you're you not that. kidding. We'll have to put those all cumulatively to, to get his message across. But we would come out and do a quick Vosat on the combine because that was all we could get. You, and you would have to do it from outside. So it would be video. I remember one year talking to Tony Dungy when he was with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Hey, so tell us about the combine. How happy are you to be here? And that was it because we weren't allowed in. There was no access inside the combine because it was all like, you know, top secret stuff. Even a year ago, when we came in here and there was a radio row, it was predominantly the local media department of the teams only. I remember last year we were near the Dolphins guy, the Raiders guys, of course, we've joked about. And you had the teams. So like there, Lara Overton, Matt Taylor, you know, local in-house production. That's predominantly what it was. And then we were there because we're the local Indianapolis radio. Now, a year later, we're here and it is bigger than the Final Four radio row. 
You have, like I mentioned, there's a radio team from Chicago that's here. I saw yesterday uh, a radio station from Denver that was broadcasting live. Kansas we City got Nashville here. right here next to Nashville's us. Nashville's right next to us. There's So my fear in all of that is that we are, for a long time, there was always talk, speculation, rumor that the combine was going to leave Indianapolis. And then every year it was, well, no, probably not because the medical facilities in terms of MRIs or anything that they need, it's so close to here. You know, IU Health is right here in the downtown area between Methodist and all the different areas, you know, on the IPY campus. It's all right here. It's very centrally located. You don't get that with the other markets. But as, as we have seen that this thing, even in the last year, has grown to the point of almost like Super Bowl media day level, like media frenzy. And most of the media stuff that takes place, they're not even really telling you anything. But the coverage of it is so big now that it feels, Kevin, inevitable that the National Football League is going to look at what Indianapolis offers for the Combine and the reason why it's been here for 30 years. And they're going to say, but there is a chance for us to make money. So Jacksonville, make your bid. Kansas City, make your bid. And this is going to become a traveling circus. When you say National Football League, I feel like the NFL Films sounder should be in the background. Lombardi. National the Football National League. Football League. You know, they've John Facenda, baby. Last year was the first time that we had a bid process for the Combine. Indianapolis was awarded it for this year and next, and next year. Yep. So that's where we're at right now. I, I will give... And I understand the fear, and and I don't deny that you can't ignore that. I'll give the NFL and the ownership group credit, Jake, because I think there is a level of respect for this event, and it's a level of respect to Indianapolis to where they haven't, at the first sign of greed, they haven't gone there yet. Yet. And usually with every event, they always go there. No, yet is is a key word there. This event... I, there's like a sanctity to it that, you know, when you listen to every general manager talk, and I don't think it's BS, why would they? If you're a general manager, wouldn't you want your own town to host the combine? Right. Every GM gets up there at the podium throughout this week and says, I'm so glad we're in Indy. I mean, but, I was listening to Duke. But Kevin, the GMs have as much say in that as you and I do. I do appreciate the owners listening to them, though. Because, again, last year, when the bid process came up, they could have left, and they right. did not. Now, we'll see how long that continues. Um, but certainly that is kind of an annual conversation we have at the combine. Again, Nick Sirianni going to join us in about 15 minutes. Did want to mention yesterday we saw that Reggie Wayne announced he will be back for a second year as the Colts wide receivers coach. We'll have Shane Steichen join us on Friday's show. Jake, he might be the only offensive coach brought back. Yeah, I mean, and that I, I do think that that's understandable. Yeah, that and but I think that's a nice. I mean, from a fan standpoint, obviously it's great, but I do think that players respect Reggie Wayne, and and I'd agree. Yeah, you know, and I I think that he does bring something to the table. And you know, he's one of these guys, and we've talked about it with Reggie's career. You know, he was not Calvin Johnson, six four, two twenty. I'll just out athlete you. To become a Hall of Fame caliber player. I mean, certainly he's got some great physical characteristics, but there was a lot of growth and development that I think he can then translate as a teacher and as a coach. Um, And and you want more strides from your wide receiver group, certainly, but I did think there were some better moments from those young guys um, than I would have thought heading into the season. So coaching staff continues to get finalized. If you kind of want to summarize it, as of now, the defensive staff and bringing Gus Bradley back, 
That is the veteran group of coaches, the offensive coaches, very young, very inexperienced, um, really outside of uh, outside of Coach Cooter, to be honest with you. Jim Bob Cooter is probably the most JBC. We, we decided JBC is what we're going with. No, no oh. we didn't. When you were gone. Yeah, no, we did, Mark. Uh, Mark and I had a vote when you were gone, Kevin. Is that the guy that was born on December 25th, JBC? <laughs> okay. No, I'm not even going to Oh, you asked me there. yesterday <laughs> if I went to church to lead off the show. I want to oh, make a, no. I want to make a plea that we get him on like a weekly segment when the football season starts and have like Cooter's Corner Coach or Coot? something like that. Yeah. 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 Well, Kevin's Corner is my podcast, Mark. I'd like to stay away Let's from it. It's called the spin-off, meeting. Kevin. Cooter's Den. <laughs> spin-off. Cooter's Den. Does that sound good? Okay. It's better than Cooter's Cave, I guess, right? Gotta, I mean, sales department's got to be just loving this. Speaking of sales department, somebody just asked, what do we do for admission to the PBR party? Uh, once we put it all together, admission is you got to be 21. I assume it's going to be at... Um, an adult drinking establishment, which means 21 or over. But, of course, you don't have to be drinking PBR. You can have Diet Cokes. You can have water. Um, and those – it's taken a while to, to oil the wheels, but the wheels are in motion. That's my understanding. <laughs> Usually with these events, it takes a long time That's right. to That's right. oil the wheels. He's Jake Query. I'm Kevin Bowen, live here at the Combine. Shout-out to Cam Blankenship, Nick Cottenham, helping us out here. How about the Bears being the first franchise here? Like, they've been here since 4.30 Wait, this morning. I'm always like, you know... No cent- hibernating for this group. Central time zone it's teams. impressive. You know, you got the Titans showing up as well. They're getting their day started. Yeah. I saw <laughs> Mike... <laughs> That's right. I saw Mike Vrabel in the building. You know, he's probably clocking in very early. Again, Nick Sirianni going to join us here in about 15 minutes from the Combine. Peter King at 8 o'clock. Stephen Holder at I 9. I, I, I kind of want to... They have a Lions helmet over there sitting on the table. And, and say what you want about the Lions, but those helmets are sweet. I'm really tempted to go well, see if I can swipe that helmet. Now, did you see that Dan Campbell sleeping underneath the table? <laughs> He's biting the ankles mm-hmm. yeah, of anybody uh-huh. that comes yeah. he just for the helmet itself. He just shoot off their extension cord over <laughs> there. You, that helmet is sweet, though, isn't it? On this Wednesday. It'd be kind of tough to get in my bag. Morning. But. When we come back, it was a very frustrated Mike Woodson after, after the game last night. We'll play some of that audio next. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Tough one for Ball State last night. We'll get to that in just a second, but we'll begin with what took place at Assembly Hall in Bloomington last night. Indiana coming off of their big win over Purdue, sweeping the Boilermakers, and then laying a complete egg and that's putting it nicely against Iowa. 90-68, the Hawkeyes last night. Chris Murray had 26. Tony Perkins, the Indianapolis product, 23 points, 10 boards. Trace Jackson Davis did become the all-time rebounding leader in Indiana basketball history. But the story was, of course, the fact that Indiana did not rebound from their bit, not not even rebound, but but come back from the high of that game against Purdue. Mike Woodson was so short in his answers, we had to mash them all together. But we'll begin by asking this, Coach, what in the world did we witnessed last night. You saw the same game I did tonight. Thought we prepared. You know, what I mean, they just competed, man. They they came in here and kicked our ass. It was just that simple. How about playing some defense? That'll help. Which was non-existence tonight. That's, That's it, about right? four answers put together right there by Mike Woodson. His press conference lasted a hair over two minutes. Uh, yeah, he was none too pleased. 90-68. to 68. That's four straight wins for Iowa over Indiana. Indiana's given up over 80 in each of those four. They'll close out the regular season coming up on Sunday inside of Assembly Hall. And, Jake, we mentioned this earlier. 
you know, last night it, it had some Big Ten tournament implications. If you look at the standings, Indiana's got first off they got to win Sunday, and then they need a whole lot of help if they're going to get a double buy coming up in the Big Ten. Well, tournament. that's a big thing, right? That double buy, and then you know we'll see. I guess it depends on what they do here to round things out and the Big Ten tournament on what that means in terms of their tournament seating. But certainly. Uh, about as bad as one could have thought could go for Indiana last night. Elsewhere, it was Marquette seventy-two fifty-six over Butler Oof. at Hinkle Fieldhouse. I was House. there, Jake. Were you? Yeah, I took family. How many others the game. were there? Uh, shockingly, it was a pretty good crowd. Obviously, you get a good amount of Marquette people at the game. Um, Marquette is really good, and Butler can't score. Uh, Butler fourteen and fifteen overall. They are six and twelve in the Big East. Jaden Taylor did have thirteen points. Jalen Thomas ten for the Dogs. Akron eighty seven eighty three in a game Ball State would have loved to have had. That would have put both of them tied with each other in the MAC. But the Cards dropped to twenty and ten as Akron wins eighty seven eighty three in Ohio. And Detroit Mercy beats Purdue Fort Wayne eighty one sixty eight. That's notable because in the Horizon League tournament it gets Mike Davis's group another game, and they're going to need that if. Antoine Davis, who had 38 last night, starts knocking on the door of Pistol Pete Maravich's all-time scoring record. Of course, they need games, and he is now within, I believe, 30. Yeah, it's 26. If I saw correctly. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, in all likelihood, I guess will will accomplish that. In five years versus three, but yes, or is it six? Uh, I think it's five, but yeah. boy, I don't know. It feels like he's maybe been there for six years. Uh, last night in Dallas, the Pacers, 124-122. Some unbelievable shot making for the first three and a half quarters, really by both teams. Um, and then defense is the name of the game late. The Pacers get a big stop as Kyrie Irving clanked a three at the buzzer. Back-to-back road wins for an Indiana team that had lost 11 straight away from home. Tyrese Halliburton, 32-7-6. You know, he's got the leap day birthday. So does Luka Doncic, right? So, yeah. How, how ironic was that? Uh, I saw Chris Denary mention there are uh, four players in NBA history that have that. Uh, Vontillo Cummings is one hmm. who was drafted by the Pacers. Yeah. He's in the ring of honor, if I'm not mistaken there. <laughs> That's uh, right. So happy birthday to Tyrese Halliburton. And here was the Pacers All-Star after the impressive victory. Man, just you know, staying true to what we do. Uh, we know that they're a team that likes to you know play slower. We like to play faster. So it was an interesting battles of pace and um, different ways of attacking. And I thought it was a good battle overall. We had a couple times we felt like you know we could have ran away at the game. They fought back. They're a really good team. So, um, you know, and they, and they attacked us. We attacked them. It was a good game. I thought Jordan Wara, Jalen Smith gave Indiana some nice minutes off the bench. Good to see Jalen Smith back in the rotation. Daniel Tice, George Hill, Rick Carlisle's kind of stashed them on the bench here. As of late, that is good news as you look ahead towards the future. Jalen Smith, 11-9 and in 15 minutes. Jordan Wara has given the them good minutes since they acquired him, Kevin. 16 points, Jake, yeah. and a little more than just the three-point shooting, which I think is a given, um, but you, you certainly like to see that. At San Antonio for Indiana coming up tomorrow night, the Spurs shockingly won a game last Last night, they had lost 16 in a row. Uh, we come back here live from the Combine. We are in the Convention Center. Um, defensive players will start to meet the media starting up, starting at 8 o'clock today. Again, Shane Steichen at 2.30, Chris Ballard at 3.30. But when we come back, Nick Sirianni obviously spent three seasons here with Frank Reich. Shane Steichen, of course, was his play caller for the last two seasons. A whole lot to get to with the Eagles head coach, and he joins us next here at the Combine live Wednesday morning. Morning, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton. 
Hi, good Wednesday morning to you. We are live here at the Indiana Convention Center. I'm certainly one of the more popular faces has joined us right now. I would assume the reaction, Nick Sirianni, to you coming to downtown Indianapolis may be a little bit different than when you exited Lucas Oil Stadium <laughs> back in early November. Uh, we don't need to begin with that, but... Um, Shane Steichen, the hire here, um, was listening to your podium session a little bit earlier, and obviously he was a guy that you entrusted a whole lot. What will you lose the most in not having Shane with you? Yeah, you know, obviously, anytime you lose good people, you're, it's it affects you. It affects you. And Shane, I always thought Shane just had a phenomenal way about calling a calling a game. And I started off calling games in in Philly. Uh, and I and I thought to myself, man, I you know I, I need to be able to manage the game better. And I have this great play caller who did a great job with the Chargers calling plays. Uh, you know I need to entrust him, and he just never let me down on that. Uh, he was awesome on that. He does a great way about calling plays, how to stay calm through the through the madness of a game, um, through maybe the head coach yelling uh, at his direction, and then still staying calm. Like Shane's was very steady, um, and so you know that's that's one thing that sticks out with Shane of just his ability to call a game, his ability, you know, how much he, how good he is with the offense is, you know, how good he is connecting with players, his accountability with players. And, you know, he's a good friend of mine. Obviously, I miss that friendship that I have with Shane as well. You called him a special play caller. What makes a special play caller? You know, it's it's, it's hard to say um, exactly what that is. It's just like, hey, calling the plays at the right time that are just, you know, man, how did you, you felt, you just felt that in that moment, right? And, and yeah, just felt that in that moment preparation also you know um but you know there, there's feel to it but then the preparation of leaving no stone unturned and going through every every detail that you could possibly go through to put yourself in position yeah we ask our players to put themselves in every position they can how am i running this play versus this look or that look or this look or that look I try to do the same as a coach and so his preparation second to none as well you know the natural thought process i think coach for a lot of fans is the comparison to you because you know for all the obvious reasons so when when people are looking at Shane Steichen coming in as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and they're saying hey this is going to be like what Nick Sirianni did in Philly what is it like you know what what things do you have in common with him for maybe from approach and detriment and or, or excuse me approach and and style and then are there any things that are, that are different that you look at it and you say you know what, maybe he learned from an area where, where there was a detriment of something I did that he could have learned from. Sure. I think what we, we always try to do as coaches is learn some things from, from guys of what you would do and how you would do it and take little parts of where you've where you've been and try to, you know, say, here here's how I would do it, right? And so I'm sure Shane's taking a little bit from from Norv and a little Norv Turner, a little bit from Frank Reich, a little bit from me, a little bit from Anthony Lynn, a little bit from Mike McCoy and, and making it his own. Um, you know, that's what that's what you that's what you try to do is and, and do what you think's right and what you're convicted in, um, you know, to make sure you're running the program the the way you want it want it to be run. And so, um, you know, Shane to say anything as far as systems go, like he's got to figure out who's here first, right? And I think that that's what Shane and I have done. And and, and what the example of that is like, hey, neither of us have ever ever run an offense quite like the one we ran this year. We had you know these type of players and this. Is how we ran the offense. You try to cater to the quarterback first. So I think, you know, to say this is what you know Shane will do because we did this and will he use some concepts from from Philly? I imagine so that he will. Um, but he's you know he'll I know what Shane will do. He'll figure out what his players do, figure out what his players do well, and he'll try to replicate.
with that. And does that always happen immediately? No, because you got to you got to go through training camp. You got to go through OTAs. You got to go through preseason games. You got to go through a couple. It it took us about five or six games before we were hit our stride and said, "This is what we do well. This is what we're going to continue to do." And so, you know, I know Shane will will figure out what his guys do well and uh, you know and adapt to them, especially that court whoever that quarterback is. He was here as Colts offense coordinator from 2018 to 2020. Nick Sirianni, obviously Eagles head coach, with us uh, live at the convention center. I asked Shane at his opening presser the biggest thing he learned from you as a first-time head coach. He said accountability. How as a head coach do you go about being accountable? Yeah, first of all, the accountability starts with yourself um, and admitting you know when you've messed up right and so if i'm going to get up in front of the room and talk to the guys about things that uh that need to be corrected from the game or from practice i better be saying the things that i did wrong too right and 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 going that way but i think what people think is accountability and so it starts there where you're holding yourself accountable you want our players to get better every day we got to get better every day you want players to be holding each other accountable and hold themselves accountable you got to hold yourself accountable but i think what a misconception sometimes about accountability is that it has to be negative that's not that's not at all accurate and and accountability won't like sure you when it's when it's not done the right way you you go through your process of, of how you correct that action but when it's done the way that you really wanted it to be done and way you know it needs to be done to, to compete at a high level that's just as good accountability because you're like you're going crazy about that like sometimes it looks like you're you're losing your mind but you're losing your mind in such a good way you're like that's exactly the way it's supposed to look <laughs> that's exactly how I want it to look and and so like and then that's the reinforcement like and the man that's exactly what he wants and then when you do it this way it looks good we're playing good so accountability starts with you and then accountability doesn't just have to be negative right you want to you want to be positive in your accountability too because you're just trying to reinforce the actions you want to re, uh, continue to have. You're literally like the perfect fit for Philadelphia, aren't you? <laughs> like, I'm not kidding you. Like, it, it feels, it almost is like there was no other franchise that would have been a better fit. Yeah, I guess that's I grew up on the East Coast. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, like, you know, know what I mean? Like, you just, you kind of have that, like, Rocky Balboa, like, get up. Like, do you drink raw eggs in the morning, I the de- whole deal? I, I definitely do not do that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably <laughs> but smart. Do I, but do I love Rocky, the Rocky movies? Yeah. Did I just start watching them with my son um, before basketball games? I did. Have you run the steps? You know what? I have, but he hasn't. So I need to take him. There's your project, season. right? It's an off-season but vacation. It's right there. amazing. Like, I mean, shoot, we're sitting there watching Rocky. I said, "Hey, what did what'd you learn? Work and hey, work hard. If I want to, yeah. if I want to beat Ivan Drago, I got to work hard." <laughs> so I'm like, "That's exactly what I wanted my son to say." Hey, I, let me ask you about this. I mean, Kevin made mention of it, and we can make light of it now and joke around about you know what it meant to you to come back to Indianapolis and win. And I think people know your relationship, your admiration, your respect for Frank Wright. And knowing the way that things ended for Frank Reich in Indianapolis, part of that's the nature of the business. Sure. But when Shane Steichen came to you and said, I have an opportunity, you said, oh, great. It's Indianapolis. What was your reaction? And was there any second of thinking to yourself, could there be somewhere else? Yeah, not, not even actually, not even a little bit. Um, I, I, when he said it's Indianapolis and I, I was just so happy there's so many so many great people in this city and there's so many great people in that in that building right like shoot we talk we still talk to our friends uh, over in uh, Bridgewater where we where we lived right um, and then I just think about all the great people that they have in, in that building like uh, you know I, I have 
I had a phenomenal three years here, um, and that and that starts with the the people you're around every day when you go to work. That starts with the people that you're around when you when you live in the city. And so, um, I told them how much I liked it, liked living here. I told them how much I liked working in that building, um, and I was really happy for them to, uh, you know, to um, to have that opportunity. I, you know, and, and imagine he'll move somewhere that has a golf. I, I miss that golf cart I used to have <laughs> that I used to drive. He's got to have his kid watch Hoosiers though instead of Rocky, right? Yeah, you got you got to have you got to have the Hoosiers. On. He's got to make the drive down the, the street to go see Hoosiers. But, you know, I told him how much I like that golf cart that you drive around the neighborhood with in one of those communities. That's why I miss, I miss that golf cart. That I, used to have. <laughs> I can't have that in, uh, in Philly. What's I, the biggest challenge in going from – for you, was there a moment when you went from coordinator to head coach where all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, like I, now it's real. And, and what, is, what is the adjustment he's going to have to make? Um – there's always different, you know, different things there. Like I really felt prepared, uh, I really did, and hopefully I, I helped Shane, you know, in his journey to help him get prepared as well. Um, I just always remember Frank pulling me aside and saying stuff like, "Hey, when you're head coach, you're gonna have to." think through this just like I did right here and there's what I did like he, he made it he was very intentional Frank was very intentional about helping me develop into uh, into the head coach into a head coach right and I tried to do those same things for Jonathan and Shane and so hopefully you know Shane has, has seen all those things um, and he takes a look like, like I said takes a little bit from each person that he has and 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 when he gets in those situations um, to to um, you know, to be able to handle it the way he thinks is right. But also when he gets in those situations, you know, obviously you try to prepare guys as much as you possibly can and help them prepare as much as you can. But you, you can't go through everything, right? And so when he gets in those situations, he knows he can call me. And I know he knows he can call Frank. I know he knows he can call, you know, his other mentors. And, and you know, when he when he has those. And, and Gus Bradley, right? I, that, shoot, Gus was a big mentor for, for both Shane and I, you know, when we were together and with the Chargers. I still talk to Gus and, and and he still helps me through through different situations. So you, you you're never going to have all the answers, and and be re, be ready to reach out and uh, and reach out to people that you trust when you when you need to when you need to ask questions. Nick, last one from me. You know, I brought it up to start the interview. Obviously, your reaction at the end of that Colts Eagles game back in November got a lot of fanfare on our airwaves. Um, they were the, mad at me. The, well, <laughs> that's probably an accurate statement. The little bit that I know of you, I, I simply said that Monday, that is the competitive spirit that I know that you live with in every walk of life, not just the game of football. But it was that combination with your loyalty to Frank Reich. Is that accurate in your emotion at the end of that game? Yeah, you know, obviously very competitive. I think one of my friends <laughs> said, some, some one of my friends who actually went to the Super Bowl, he said, um, you know, um, one of the one of the people that he works with that came in and was like, did you see Nick at the end of the game? He goes, yeah, that's how Nick is when we used to play Nintendo together I was say, when we were kids. Is like, that you like winning a beer pong, you know, game? One hundred percent. And so like then he's like, that's that's just what that's just who he is. But but also you know I was I was raised in a home where family was everything, right? And uh, you know faith, family, football, and um, you know I, I can remember you know if my brother's teams had a bad game, um, they, I had two older brothers. And if my brother's team's had a bad game, I, I'm crying, right? I, I got emotional about it. Or if somebody said something about my brother's, hey, he, he didn't play quarterback very well. Like I'm ready to, I'm ready to be really pissed off, right? Mm -hmm. And and so for, I tr I think of Frank as like my older brother, and uh, and that's just when, when, when that's just how you feel about your family, and you're just you're just loyal, and you're and because you 
know they've always had your back. You've always had their back, and you always want what's best for them. And, and you don't and you don't like it when it's when it's when it's not the best for them. So now, what what were you yelling? That's what I want to know. That that stays there. <laughs> was it to Philly fans or Indy fans? Uh, it stays there. Too. Oh darn it! I, I, I tried. It was just safe travels home. That's right. You know? <laughs> hey, you need to go. Uh, and I realize that you're fairly busy here while you're in town. Um, you need to go to 47th and Boulevard to Hoagies and Hops because literally the gal that runs it is is from philly okay and you walk in and you would think that are you, you s- are across the street like it literally it's entirely philadelphia i Eagles feel like stuff. you might be setting me up and there's, and there's gonna be no. all the fans <laughs> i'm telling you after the I, game they sit you. behind the visiting had, bench every single game they had, and they've been waiting for they you they had super bowl specials <laughs> they had the entire place was fly what eagles is, fly what is it called again hoagies and hops hoagies it's at 47 just south of butler yeah just okay yeah just south the butler that was one of my regrets being here i didn't get to go to a butler game oh yeah i heard it was awesome i was at hinkle last night for the game is that yeah 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 it was an awesome time up there um unbelievable success proud of you um i know it's uh, probably been a whirlwind these last couple of years but i think jake summed it up pretty well you 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 fit philly really well and it's uh, darn impressive hey are you and shane next year both going to be in the headset of former alabama quarterbacks on the field what do you think? Uh, I can't answer. That. I don't know. What, listen, I, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't. We don't share secrets anymore. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, Jim Mercy had a slip up. Nick Sirianni's not going to have a that's slip right. up here. That's right. Thanks, Nick. Enjoy, Andy. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, Nick Sirianni, appreciate it. And up next, as we are live at the NFL Combine at the Indiana Convention Center, Kevin and Quarry here. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton back in studio. But Peter King, legendary NFL writer, has a fun event coming up that's going to raise some money here in central Indiana. We did that conversation with him a year ago during the Combine, and it was so much fun. We'll do it again, and we'll do it next. It's Kevin and Quarry, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The NFL Combine, the story of the week here in Indianapolis. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen as we are live at the Indiana Convention Center. People starting to filter in. Again, kudos to ESPN 1000 in Chicago. They were the first ones here this morning. Uh, I also saw some of the Raiders folks have already showed up. Uh, so far... That's what happens when Tiki Bob's closes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Then what are we doing here? Nothing else to do. Why don't we show up? Oh, well, let's scanning, go work. Scanning the room, the Lions, so far, the, the holdout, it looks like they are the, the last to arrive. The helmet is still sitting over there, though. You know, I'm looking at the Cowboys. I'm looking at the Fighting Mike Tomlins. It looks a little ghost town over there. Is that Eight the Steelers over there? I believe that is. Okay. Um, right now, prospects starting to talk to the media. So, Jake, uh, workouts will begin tomorrow afternoon here on Wednesday morning. Defensive players. So, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, two guys that will hear their name called pretty early in the draft. And I think there will be some implications with those two names and where the Colts pick. Uh, those two meet in the media here shortly. Let's go to the Payless Liquors guest line. That's where Peter King joins us. Of course, you can read his work, NBC Sports, amongst the many places in which Peter King has become ubiquitous within the NFL culture and along with that during the combine a year ago he did the same thing actually has done it for a couple of years a fundraiser for teachers treasures of Indianapolis this is going to be on Friday at Sun King we'll get you all the information and how you can get tickets at Eventbrite for an event where he is going to be there along with Colts coach Shane Steichen we'll get to all of that in just a moment but first let's welcome in good morning to you Peter good good to talk to you again good morning man how are you uh, we are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You know, it's this. It's um, it's interesting to me. I, I was saying, Peter, that the combine and the evolution of it. I, you know, it means so much to Indianapolis. It, it, 
but I feel like inevitably, and I know that the league loves having it here for all of the you know the medical purposes and everything being here on site. But man, the way this thing's grown in the radio row, it feels like it's right on the cusp of being the next thing that the NFL kind of takes as a traveling circus. Is that me being a paranoid guy civically, or is there some reality to that? No, I think there are there are owners in the league that view it as a money making tool. Reason why Indianapolis is the best place on earth to have the combine is that everything is so incredibly convenient. You never have to get in a car. You you know you, everything is right downtown. Now the players have to go to the hospital to get their medicals done and all that stuff, but basically. An NFL person can get dropped off at the JW Marriott or the Westin or the Hyatt or the Omni Severin and not have to get in a car for the next six days. Um, So I think that is really part of the plus of it. But I, I also think that the way the NFL has worked, starting with the draft when it used to be in New York every year and everybody just... It was unquestioned that the draft was going to be in New York. And when Roger Goodell started moving it around like a traveling circus, and one night on day one of the draft in Nashville, there were 600,000 people on Broadway in Nashville. Everybody started saying, and like 800,000 people in downtown Philadelphia when the draft was there. And everybody started saying, wow. So the NFL can really generate this type of excitement in business. The only thing is, the draft is really a lot different from the combine. (laughs) You know, the combine is more of a business meeting more than anything else. They're trying to turn it into a little bit of a circus, but it's really a part of the business calendar. You know, examining these players, you know, testing them, meeting them for the first time. So, you know, I think that the NFL is really going to investigate looking into moving it somewhere, maybe Vegas, maybe L.A., uh, maybe Dallas. But I I still think, and I think everybody in the, you know, who isn't a money-making person thinks that Indianapolis is ideal. It's the great Peter King. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, his event coming up this Friday over at Sun King on the east side of downtown with Shane Steich, and we'll chat more about that and certainly the, the uh, teacher treasures impact of that. And as a son of two teachers, greatly enjoy seeing Peter helping out a wonderful cause. Um, Let's focus, Peter, on, on what you wrote about Monday, and it's a must-read, Football Morning in America every Monday, and you chatted with Daniel Jeremiah, who will get a ton of airtime here in the next few days as guys start to hit the field for workouts, and certainly the quarterback position speaks for itself here in Indianapolis of what that means. Based off your conversation with Jeremiah and the Colts sitting there at four, what decisions do you think the Colts will have to make, not only with their own spot at four, but the teams above them? Well, I think this is going to be, the next two months basically are going to be a game of cat and mouse for the, uh, for the Texans at number two, for the Colts at four, uh, for the Raiders at seven, and for the Panthers at nine. So all four of those teams clearly want a young quarterback to build around. And there are some very interesting candidates in this draft. And 
So you have to ask yourself, there are going to be some people who are not bothered by the fact that Bryce Young is maybe 5'11 and three quarters. We'll find out here in a couple of days exactly how tall he is, but he's not tall. And whether the size of these other guys, uh, who all are at least 6'3", whether the size is going to have a big impact on what teams might want to do. Now, I would say with the success of Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, you know, in the last 20 years, it's not as desperate anymore to get a statuesque tall quarterback. But still, being 5'11 or 6 feet does at quarterback does bother a lot of teams. Now, I believe that Chris Ballard, at least his his intent, along with the intent of Jim Irsay, is to stop at nothing to get the quarterback that they want. And so that's why, to me, I think the Chicago Bears are in an incredible position sitting there at number one. Because if you get two or three teams bidding to move up to number one, they're, in, they're going to be in Fat City. They could end up with, you know, as many as three number ones coming out of here without moving out of the top ten. So I I just, I think that if the Colts end up trading up to number one, which has been widely speculated, it's going to cost a lot. And they're really going to have to believe in whoever they move up to get. And that, Peter, this is what fascinates me. Peter King is our guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I th- See if this makes sense, but what I've been saying is, and the Colts have to make this evaluation, and that is, if there are, let's say, four quarterbacks, okay? I yeah. mean, we hear, you know, Stroud, Young, Richardson, uh, Levis. I mean, let's say there are four. Is the disparity one to four a greater gap than the gap of what you would have to give up to move up those three spots. In other words, do we know yet, Peter, and maybe we don't, do we know yet whether or not this is a year where you have to get the one guy? In other words, if if you're a team in need of a quarterback, is this the year to be in need of one? In my opinion, this is a risky year. Um, and look, I, I throw myself on the mercy of the court here. I'm not a big college football watcher. I've seen highlights of all these guys. The guy who I really like a lot is C.J. Stroud. Boy, you and me, uh, man. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I, I love this. One of the reasons I really love C.J. Stroud is that I believe that he can make every throw with authority. And you need to do that in the NFL. You need to fit balls into tight windows, and you need to be bold. And he did that without throwing a lot of interceptions. So to me, I, I, you know, he's got the size, he's got the demeanor. I, he would be the guy who, at least at the start of this process, that if I could get him, uh, I'd be pretty happy coming out of this draft. But... But, and this is a huge but, there are those who would look at Bryce Young and who would say, he is Mac Jones plus 15%. And look, Mac Jones hasn't had a great two years to start off his NFL career. It's almost like the first half of his first year was the best (laughs) that we've seen Mac Jones. But you've got to believe that 
with better coaching now with Bill O'Brien in New England, we're going to see a better Mac Jones in 2023. But having said that, if I were the Colts, I would be looking at only one thing. Which one of these guys is going to stand the test of time? Who can I build this franchise around uh, in a way that 25 years ago we drafted Peyton Manning and started building the franchise around him? Now, I just don't think that any of these guys are going to be Peyton Manning. But, you know, here's the funny thing about quarterbacks right now. I think Tom Brady has been a template for all young quarterbacks. And by that, I mean, did anybody think that Jalen Hurts drafted whatever he was, 55th overall in 2020, was going to turn into a top-five NFL quarterback? Nobody did. And who knows? He's got to stand the test of time, too. But by the end of this year, he sure looked like a top-five NFL quarterback. And the way he did it was just dedicating his entire life to being great at being a quarterback. And I think Brady uh, has taught a lot of people like Mahomes, like Hurts. Hurts is going to Brady's quarterback coaches now in the offseason out in California. So all of these all of these factors, in my opinion, one of the ones that whoever you draft has better had better have the sort of ethos and work ethic uh, that I, I nothing I will not be denied. I am going to be a great quarterback in the NFL, and that's one of the things that Chris Ballard and and the Texans and the Raiders and and Carolina are going to have to going to have to work on in the next two months. And certainly what this week is really largely about in those formal and informal interviews, you get a chance to sit down and meet with these prospects in many regards for the first time, certainly for Shane Steichen, the first time. Again, Peter King is with us here. Uh, For those looking for more information on Peter's event this Friday, we just retweeted it from our show account. Again, it's 5.30 over at Sun King. Shane Steichen will be in the building. Uh, Shaquille Leonard auctioning off uh, jersey, signed jersey, DeForest Buckner, Reggie Wayne, um, football as well, so some cool prizes over at Sun King coming up this Friday, and again, Teacher Treasures is the charity um, with that event. Peter, obviously Jim Irsay made a whole lot of news on and off the field, or I guess I should say with his own team, and then off the field with some Daniel Snyder comments this year. You have a great pulse, just nationally, league-wide. How do you think Jim Irsay was viewed, whether it be his interactions of meddling uh, within the team and then the Daniel Snyder comments league-wide? Look, I don't think anybody loved uh, when he gave Jeff Saturday that job. Um, I think that there were a lot of skeptical people around the league. And, and obviously, look, we all know Jeff Saturday. He's a great guy. And I have no doubt that uh, that one day... Um, you know, especially, especially with the right quarterback, because I look, you're never going to be a great coach in the NFL unless you have a really good quarterback, period. That's it's it's a must. But uh, so he came into an unenviable situation. But having said all that, you know, taking a coach out of the clear blue sky, I think a lot of people were down on that uh, around the league. But I also think that and look I talked to a lot of people around the league no one is going to come out and say go Jimmy when he said what he said about Daniel Snyder but I can tell you 
that there are a lot of owners and top league officials who are cheering him on because nobody had the had the stones to basically come out and say Daniel Snyder is bad for business in the NFL. And he is. And he shouldn't be an owner in the NFL. And they got to get him out of there. And and Jim Irsay was willing to walk to the edge of the cliff and to say that when no one else did. Now, that is anti the boys club that you know NFL ownership is. But I think there are a lot of people who are just fed up with Daniel Snyder having ruined one of the great NFL markets in the United States. So I I love honestly I love what Jim Ursay said about Dan Snyder and more and more continues to come out to prove that Jim Ursay was right in starting to uh, throw rocks at Daniel Snyder. And you know, Peter, to me, and you tell me if if you agree with this, but if I recall correctly, that was right on the heels also of a report that Snyder had allegedly hired like private investigators and had kind of made veiled threats to the other owners. And to me, it was almost like Jim Irsay was saying, look, my entire... All of my indiscretions are out there. I, I'm as transparent yeah, yeah, as it exactly. gets now. So, yeah. so I'll be the one that's, that that falls on this sword because you ain't going to yeah. dig anything up on me, right? It's all out there, and I think that was great of him to say that. You know, if he wants to investigate me, bring it on because everybody knows what ha- what has happened <laughs> right. to in his life. You know, so I I just I think sometimes sometimes look, I would bet a lot of money. That if Roger Goodell knew what Jim Irsay was going to say at that owners' meeting in New York in October, uh, or I think it was October, I, I don't think he knew uh, exactly what was going to happen that day. I think if he did know that he would have stood up in a meeting and said something to the effect of, "Guys, we got to keep every and women, we got to keep everything in house. We don't need to go air our dirty laundry outside." That's one of the problems in the league right now. You read Don Van Natta's story at ESPN.com yesterday, and, you know, Roger Goodell in that story is accused of siding with Snyder over his limited partners, minority partners, in almost a, hey, you guys, get out of here. Don't, don't, don't bother us. And, and that, to me, is something that if I'm an owner in this league, one of the things that Jim, I think, was right in talking about is we don't have a lot of these conversations. We need to discuss these things in-house. We've never had a serious conversation about the damage that's being done to this league by Daniel Snyder. And we need to talk about this. And, and I, think, I think that kind of stuff is great for the league long term. I applaud Jimmy Ursay for saying it. Peter, last one from me. Um, the competition committee met earlier this week. That's always a big part of what Combine Week is about. You know, potential yeah. rule changes that we could see for 2023. Obviously, there's talk about the Eagles and the QB sneak play that they mastered. There's a lot of chatter regarding the roughing the passer penalty. If I granted you commissioner for the day, and I guess maybe 75% of ownership vote for the day, where would you fall in a rule change or two for 2023 and beyond? I would not change the rule about uh, uh, about 
about many things. I'm not one of these guys who, you know, after you see two or three things go wrong during the year, tear it down. I, I just have never been that way. But I would say two things about the rules that they're discussing. One, I don't think that this rugby scrum push of the quarterback is what anybody ever intended when this rule was reconstituted in 2005 to allow runners to be aided from behind. Um, and, And it's not worded very specifically, but in essence... Sean Payton said it all when he got the Denver head coaching job, and he basically said, look, we're going to be working on that play in practice. That will be in our playbook. And, look, it's only a matter of time before uh, two offensive linemen line up in the backfield on fourth and one and at the snap of the ball just push as hard as they can the quarterback who along with the offensive line should be able to get a yard it's just a sheer amount of force and look i just think it's not a football play it's just it's not and it's not skill there's nothing skillful about it and i just i don't like it and if it doesn't change i think you're going to see more and more teams abuse what happens in in this and uh, they're going to abuse it to the point that we're going to say we've really gone far afield from what football is. I think the other thing and I've, I've always sort of agreed with those who would say, hey listen, if you're not going to increase the number of challenges let a coach challenge anything he wants at any time. You know, just just challenge any play at all. It doesn't matter what it is. Because if you're not going to increase the number of challenges, then a coach knows that he's going to have to hang on to one challenge for very late in a game. So he's not going to waste his challenges in the first quarter. Uh, so I've, I've always said, hey, if you think the pass interference call was lousy, Let's let's look at it. If you think the roughing the passer thing was lousy, let's look at it. And if it's obviously wrong, then it'll be changed. And I'm not a huge fan of a lot of what the NFL does in picking away at the rules all the time. But I think that's where the game is headed eventually anyway. I just rip the Band-Aid off and do it right now. Peter, last thing before we let you go, because I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about it. Peter King is our guest on the Palo Sugars Hotline, and I appreciate your efforts in Indianapolis that you do each year. One of the things that you and I have in common is I think it is super fun when I go to different cities to try out like the local beer, right, of the city, and yeah. and you know, yeah. and and I know that you enjoy doing the same. And Sun King is one that you've enjoyed, so you've parlayed that now into a fundraiser now that's become an annual event. Tell me how it all came together and how people can again get involved on Friday night at 5.30 at Sun King? Well, I, I don't know. I started this maybe 10 or 12 years ago, um, you know, at at Sun King. And we would just meet every year, and I'd bring some sports writer friends of mine and sports media now because there will be NFL Network people there on Friday night. Uh, so I brought a bunch of people over, and we would just sit 
uh, sit around, have a couple of beers, and talk to fans who would come in. And they really enjoyed it. We would, you know, we'd uh, we'd allow them to ask questions and 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 just it was fun to sit there for two two and a half hours and talk football. And so I don't know. We we did it. Started doing it as a fundraiser uh, a few years ago. And the last couple of years we've you, we've used teachers' treasures. And so I, I think one of the reasons why it appeals to me so much is that to me there's nothing more heartbreaking well shoot there's a lot there are other heartbreaking things in the world right now too but there are few things that are more heartbreaking than when i see a teacher who has got three kids at home and is barely making ends meet anyway have to go out and spend 250 dollars for school supplies because he or she doesn't have enough supplies in the in the classroom and so teachers treasures is fantastic at basically saying to uh, teachers in some low-income areas uh, schools to basically say you can come in and you can go shopping for five hundred dollars worth of uh, you know five hundred dollars worth of supplies once a year and bring them back into your classroom and so and the one other thing that's great about Teachers Treasures, for every $1 that is donated, $15 of buying power is invented by that. So last year, when we raised $15,000 at our event, that was actually over $200,000 um, that we were able to raise. And so, look, I'm, I'm very bullish on this. It's fun for us to do anyway, me and some of my friends. And the Colts have been incredibly nice to us over the years in donating things and donating money. So we're very grateful to them. And Shane Steichen has agreed to come over for a half hour on Friday night. And so he'll get to meet everyone. And it's just, it's a very nice community thing. And uh, it's the least we can do, quite honestly, to repay Indianapolis for all the great times we've had there over the years. Yeah, I've been fortunate to be at the event. It's a fun, fun time over there. And, hell, it's a happy hour beer on a Friday, so you can't beat that. (laughs) Uh, Talking about sports, and for Jake and I, education means a whole lot to our family. So, Peter, thank you for doing that, especially in our own backyard. Appreciate the time. Safe travels to Indianapolis. And, uh, as always, great stuff with what you do every single Monday and what you've done for the NFL, Peter. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. That is Peter King right there. Again, the information for the event on Friday. Mark just retweeted that from our show account. So you can head to Kevin and Query on Twitter and get some details there. Eventbrite is where you can go for the event. Coming up at Sun King this Friday. Um, it's starting to get busy in here, Kevin. It is. Yes. Again, A lot of pro- people, obviously, that went to bed early after watching the IU-Iowa game. They, they decided they could turn it at the half, right? Yeah, well, you probably could have turned into the first media timeout. I think uh, Mike Woodson's displeasure was on display there. Yeah, let's uh, lead off the morning checkdown with what happened in Bloomington last night. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
abysmal. That's the only way to say it. The only silver lining, I guess, last night would be that Trace Jackson Davis became the all-time rebound leader in Indiana basketball history. But uh, it was a poor performance for the Hoosiers. 90-68 to last night. Iowa, I thought the real story of the game, Kevin, aside from the fact that we have talked a lot about Indiana struggling in games where they don't get solid backcourt play. You know what you're going to get from Trace Jackson Davis, but it's Jalen hood Shafino that's kind of become the engine that's running for them, and when he is misfiring, it's tough for Indiana, but defensively yeah, that, that's was the issue. All-stars. Iowa just carved them apart. And this has been the norm in facing Iowa in the Mike Woodson era. That is now four straight wins for the Hawkeyes, over 80 in each of those four. One of the best performances Indiana has seen in years on Saturday night in West Lafayette was followed up by one of the worst. 90-68 to last night. Uh, outscored by 33 points from behind the arc. Mike Woodson's press conference lasted a hair over two minutes. He was extremely upset and uh, here's a snippet of that from Mike Woodson last night. You saw the same game I did tonight. thought we prepared. You know what I mean? They just competed, man. They, they came in here and kicked our ass. It was just that simple. How about playing some defense? That'll help, which was non-existence tonight. Chris Murray, 26. Jake, we mentioned this at the start of the show. How great of a night do you think that was for Lawrence North grad Tony Perkins? Like, you're an Indiana kid. You go to a Big Ten school. You've got to circle the games at Mackey and Assembly Hall on the calendar. Perkins had 23-10-8, and and I think he just cut in the lane for another basket. Yeah, and, you know, Murray just hit another pull-up three, right? Right. Uh They were able to do whatever they wanted. Really, when it got down to... Like 11, didn't you think, okay, well, Indiana's going to make a run here, and then I pushed it right back. It's impressive. And the start of the second half, you know how big that was on Saturday and Purdue taking control. You know, Indiana, you're thinking, all right, you know, they're going to wake up here after halftime. They did not. Iowa slammed the door shut. Implications on that for the double bye coming up in the Big Ten tournament. Um, IU is not on the right side of several of those tiebreakers, so that's where kind of the March implications um, are at play here. Indiana will close out the season this Sunday against Michigan. That'll be senior day for Trace Jackson Davis and company. Uh, Elsewhere in college basketball, last night. It was Kent State 87-83 over Ball State. So the Cards miss an opportunity to slide into a tie with the Flashes in the MAC Conference. Also, Antoine Davis, we should make mention, the shooting guard for Detroit Mercy, son of Mike Davis, of course, last night. 38 points as Detroit wins their opening league game, uh, tournament game in the Horizon League. That means another game, and that means that the likelihood increases, Kevin, that he is going to become the all-time leading scorer in college basketball history. Yeah, I thought I saw 26 points away from Pete Maravich. Last night, Jake, I was up at Hinkle. I think Rosie Bowen had more airheads and starbursts than Butler had points. <laughs> okay. Which well, is not good for either party. That's let, good let, news for Marquette, right? Let me make that clear. When we uh, hit the, um, the, the sugar rush once that ended, it was quite the wall in trying to get Rosie to bed last night. 72-56, number six Marquette over Butler up there at Hinkle. By the way, I... I can't find uh, – you emailed me all these scores, and I can't find any of them again. So now I'm lost. I, like, I know the Pacers won, right? Mark, can, is there a shocking sounder you can play? No, Here. You for me, the course. Here. 
Uh huh. Here, I'll give you that. Yeah, okay. you, you, I got Jake's laptop. He's going to talk to you about the Pacer game last night. Uh, Pacers last night, winners in Dallas, as Tyrese Halliburton was spectacular. 32 points in the game. I believe 124, 122. I'm going off the top of my head in terms of the final score. Uh, and there's a lot rolling around in that noggin, believe me, not all of it necessarily for radio. You got college play. basketball scores. Robert okay. Moore, is that the season over for IUPUI? Uh, IUPUI 5 and 27 him. after Bob Morris beat him 67 64 last night. Have they played nine times? I've made the same Robert Morris joke nine times in the last week. <laughs> How many times have they played Robert Morris, right? Uh, yeah, going back to the Pacers last night. Jake. Robert Morris is 16-16, and 16, by the way, and they are actually 2-16 and 16 in games where they didn't play IUPUI. <laughs> that much I know. Tyrese Halliburton had 32. Did you see the Pacers had shoot-around at Buddy Heald's house? Really? So Buddy Heald obviously has a home in Dallas. It looked awesome, as you would expect. You know, knowing Buddy Heald and just how much he loves basketball and loves shooting, there's no surprise that he has a beautiful court in his right. home. And so, yeah, the Pacers had shoot around there yesterday, and it paid off. That is back-to-back road wins for them. They have not won back-to-back games, period, since January 6th and 8th. Again, they had lost 11 straight away from home before winning these back-to-back. So they've started this four-game road trip with two straight wins. For those that are curious... 19 to go. They're two games back of the final play-in spot. If you had a court in your house... Uh-huh. Thank you, Mark. There'd Two be more. no excuse to not become, like, a Steve Alford-level shooter by the by, like after a year, right? Just any time you're bored, wouldn't you just go shoot baskets? Oh, without a doubt. Without question. But yeah. would you only be able to shoot on that basket? Right. Like, did, yeah. Did uh-huh. you have any gyms that were, like, either comfortable or uncomfortable for you? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, there's always the sight lines and yeah. the feel I've always of it. wondered when guys do, like, recruiting I was, like, business. the West Gym at, at, at Hinkle. I always felt like I, I shot it well there. You, you you probably never played at Lawrence Central, right? The old Lawrence Central that was, like, the little miniature Mackie? No, no. The depth perception was terrible in there. And... and I've just always felt like if you were a recruit going to visit colleges, wouldn't you ask to go out and like play a pickup game to get a feel for that arena and just find out whether or not it was one you had a feel for or not? Yeah, and until you start shooting in front of coach and he's like, oh, man, we're going to be pulling this scholarship. This kid can't throw it in the ocean. <laughs> well, that's here. probably a good point. Uh, Halliburton at 32-7-6 last night. Miles Turner continues a really impressive stretch for him. Consistent performances from Turner, 24-8. and Important bench minutes from Jordan Wara. He had 16. And Jalen Smith, we've talked about this several times over the last month, need more. Or honestly, just need minutes from Jalen Smith and or Isaiah Jackson. Rick Carlisle's given Jalen Smith more of an opportunity here as of late. He had 11-9 and nine in 15 Do you minutes. know, George Wara, if, if he was struggling, do you know what I'd say? No, God. Wara, what is he good for? Absolutely nothing. I think that every time I hear his name. You guys coming over tonight for Mike Bray's final home game? Uh, yeah, how about that? I'll bring the gonna- uh, street corn dip. Did you see his quote yesterday? <laughs> Have you ever been to the linebacker up in South Bend? Didn't he say, like, he's closing it down? He's like, there's no curfew tonight. That's right. There's no he's curfew. He's never been there, isn't he? Never that been said? there. You know, it's iconic, you know, little dive bar up there in South Bend. Uh, so that Maybe will be on Mike Bray's agenda post game tonight. Drinking to celebrate or drinking to forget? 
after that one. <laughs> well, uh, pr- probably both, to be honest with you, Mark, with how you this year has gone. You think they'll have a PBR? You think it's their own PBR party? Oh, they're going to have a hell of a time up there in South Bend. You know, well, you probably need a lot in South Bend to make sure you have a good time up there. So, uh, Notre Dame-Pittsburgh wow. tonight. Jake and Mark coming over to watch that one. All right, Stephen uh, Holder can join us at the top. Did you uh, mention the Colts well, hiring Cam Turner the, as the quarterback yeah, coach? Yeah, I was going to tease that. Oh, well, um, sorry, thanks, I ruined it. The yeah. Colts have made a head coaching hire, or excuse me, an assistant coaching hire. Of course, they've made a head coaching hire. We'll hear from Shane Steichen on Friday's show. Uh, but they're rounding out their offensive staff. We'll explain that coming up mm-hmm. next year. A familiar name will be joining him. How about that? A familiar name will be joining Shane Steichen coming up next. No, 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 no. Mark just blew the tease on a hire the Colts are making. But the guy that Mark just blew the tease about will be joining in the assistant coaching staff room a familiar face to Colts fans who will be returning. In my There's opinion, that sucked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> who is that for, Mark? I feel like we all, feel like we uh, all probably we deserved all that. on that one. <laughs> yeah. We're off the yeah, rails we now. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be back here. Indiana Convention Center. I need a beer. Back here at the Indiana Convention Center for the NFL Combine. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton is back in studio manning the controls and screwing up teases for us this morning. (laughs) Uh, We are sitting right next to Mark's beloved Chicago Bears table. The Bears have been here since 3 in the morning, which was impressive. Got here and uh, they are not messing around. They got a lot of stuff to do. They own the offseason. They got the number one pick. They got the most money in free agency. They They got a wheel and deal. I mean, the bottom line is, Mark, that it's about every 38 years where the Bears are the epicenter of the NFL story, so they might no. as well soak it in as long as they can, right? I was a baby <laughs> the last time they were really good, so. <laughs> that is true. Um, to be fair, Mark, they did make a Super Bowl that, that one year. We don't, we don't like talk in, about that. Uh, and it's a big day for the Bears because defensive guys talking to the media before they work out tomorrow. So the Will Andersons, the Jalen Carters of the world, they're on the opposite side of the curtain here uh, as we are at the convention center chatting with the media this afternoon. You'll have, have Shane Steichen. I and look behind the curtain. Chris Ballard. What's behind the curtain? Can I go there? look behind the curtain? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll be a lot right of uh, national podiums. Again, Shane Steichen at 2.30. Chris Ballard at 3.30. Chris is going to join JMV. Uh, this afternoon, we'll have Shane Steichen on Friday. Our very professional tease, Jake, before the break. That's right. Hang on. I'm going to go look behind the curtain. All right. I will fill our you listeners in on the You won't see him again until the pop quiz. Staff member. Yeah. And that might not be the end of the world, honestly, when you're thinking about it. Uh, Cam Turner. That is the new quarterback's coach. Cam's father is Ron Turner. And maybe I'll have Mark look this up. Does that mean Norv is the uncle? Boy, I know. It's a Turner family reunion. I'll I, I, I feel like that is the case there. So Cam Turner, uh, most recently with Arizona, he was on Cliff Kingsbury's staff. He was a position coach for Kyler Murray each of the last two seasons. Young guy, 35 years old, was their passing game coordinator as well. Has some history with Cam Newton going back to those Carolina days. Uh, but of you know position coaches to hire, considering the quarterback move that you're going to make, this is a notable one. And, and Jake, I that is I correct. Today's that is correct. By the way, Ron Turner, the brother of North Turner, Cameron, the son of Ron. So Ron, Cameron's uncle is North Turner. That's pretty wild. Is Cam? Is do you, do you know? Does it say in the bio is Callie Turner Cam's sister? I, I used to work with Callie Turner. Yes, really yes. nice girl. Ron and his wife Wendy have two sons, Morgan and Cameron, and two daughters, Callie and Madison. 
Yeah, Callie was really nice. Um, Pam played quarterback at the Citadel. So there you go. If you look at this offensive staff, Jake, and Jake's back from the curtain. That was amazing. Yeah, it's quite the, There's quite a, the scene there over there. A, there was a guy, and he was turning a thing, and I, and he said, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. I just came right back oh, and sat down. Well, and I, I came I, back, and you guys were doing the family opinion, tree. In my opinion, that sucked. <laughs> well, I could have guessed right? that that was going to be a Wizard of Oz reference. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I just know that I came back and, and just in time to hear Kevin talking about some gal he used to work with and Mark talking about a fellow from the Citadel. So Norv's nephew is the new quarterback's coach. Well, Cam we should Turner. have asked him about that yesterday. I know. Right? Uh, again, Cam Turner's history, and this is kind of the norm for all the offensive hires Shane Steichen's made. Youth, um, and, and I would say quarterback, mobile quarterback background is probably the other thing that I would point to it, uh, certainly with Cam Turner and Kyler Murray and before that Cam Newton um, you know, with the trend in today's NFL Jake, the offensive hires I think always just naturally get a little bit more attention, but I always think about this, and I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but if you are having offensive success here in Indianapolis in the next few years, that's obviously a good thing. One of the few negatives with that is your offensive staff is probably going to turn over. You know, Jim Bob Cooter of the world is probably going to be sought after by other teams. So when you look at a guy like Cam Turner as the quarterback's coach, he it might not get a ton of fanfare right now, but all of a sudden, if you see success, like Nick Sirianni's experiencing with the Eagles, and boom, Shane Steichen leaves to be the head coach in Indianapolis, what did Nick Sirianni just do? He promoted his quarterback's coach to be the new offensive coordinator for Philadelphia. So these hires, again, in the immediacy, it might not be like, oh my gosh, let, you know, we need to talk to Cam Turner and talk to him for a half hour, but these are certainly names to keep an eye on as you move forward. I we talked with Nick a little bit early. If you missed that, we're going to play it to close out the show. How about this, Jake? It was amazing to me thinking about this yesterday. One-eighth of the NFL head coaches, okay? So four of the 32 head coaches in the NFL were all on the same Colts staff from 2018 to 2020. Wow. One and eight? One-eighth, so four of the 32... And none of them are the Colts head coach right now. That's like 13.5%. How about that? You know, I, I think it speaks to... Frank Reich, Matt Eberflus, Nick Sirianni, Jonathan Gavin, right. by the way. They're, one of the things, Kevin, you know, you just touched on it. I mean, when you win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl, the Eagles are interesting to me because, you know, Sirianni, when we talk to him... Uh, and this is a, 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 this is a good thing. I mean, I, I, I think this is cool. You walk around here at the Combine, and a lot of the coaches or executives or general managers, you know, you see a lot of guys wearing, you know, Mike Vrabel yesterday was wearing a nice sport coat and, and, a, and a collared shirt. And, you know, Nick Sirianni is walking around in a pair of black sweatpants and a Philadelphia Phillies hoodie. Like yeah. a young, he looked like he was coming out of the bullpen totally, playoff time. Uh, absolutely. And, like, but... You know, just kind of young, fresh, energetic, kind of a contagious enthusiasm. And I think that's the blueprint. You know, the NFL is a copycat league. And things become cyclical. And so having, you know, what what did we see? Who are the last two 
Andy Reid is obviously, you know, an exception here. But if you look at the, the, the teams that have kind of made meteoric rises or quick ascents to the top of their conference in particular, and the coaches that are, are the ones that are the new era, you know, Sean McVay, Nick Sirianni. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. You know, young, fresh, new perspectives, players, coaches maybe to an extent, but energetic. And, you know, the days of, and, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure this is still the case. You know, the whole like, hey, you're sleeping in your office because you're there 20 hours a day and etc. I, I, I'm sure that still exists. But, like, Sirianni just had kind of a contagious enthusiasm about him. And so, as a result of that, his staff, everybody's looking for that. Ne- who's the next McVay? Who's the next Sirianni? Zach so, Taylor, so Cincinnati. Young, Taylor, yeah. So, young guys are going to be the trend. And they are going to be plucked away, Kevin, from the organizations and the franchises that are making deep runs. Because you are convinced that... When that train is going past you faster than the other trains, you want to grab onto something on that train to be able to to help you go a little bit faster. Well, I mean, and Jake, that's what you're seeing. Think about the AFC market. If you don't join or try and join the party, you're going to get run out of the building. And the Colts are already out of the building. You know, when you look at the AFC, and we've talked about this, seven playoff quarterbacks last year, all under the age of 27. Man, I mean, that's... I mean, this is not your last decade AFC where they had great quarterbacks, but they all were on the back nine of their careers. Kevin, the, this the challenge. Great quarterbacks in their primes the, all throughout the conference. The challenge for the Colts, and I'm stating the obvious that we've said many times, but when you look at the AFC right now, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes is what, 27? 28? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Buffalo, Josh Allen, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow. I'll even put Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, even though that's, you know, we'll see what happens there. And that that fall off might be fast because of, you know, he, he's just been, his body is, is eventually probably going to break down a little bit, but he's, he's obviously sensational. Um, you know, Justin Herbert, the Chargers. You, you look at all of those teams, and the Colts are in the right lane with their turn signal on, waiting for somebody to give them the wave to merge into the left lane. Where does it, where does it happen? You know, well, where, it, does it, where does it happen? Where, where is the opening in traffic? Justin, you, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence at Jacksonville, 20, what is he, 21 years old, 22 years old? Well, it starts on April 28th. Yeah. It starts that Thursday night of the draft. I mean, that is when you make – and I guess, to be fair, it started with Shane Steichen. And I think that is the biggest appeal to him is with that hire, you're acknowledging the importance of the position that you're in a dire need with at quarterback, and you're trying to provide comfort and stability for that guy. And that's what the hire of Steichen, a huge part of what that hire is all about. Again, Shane Steichen will meet the media coming up here at the Combine at 230 3.30 for Chris Ballard, and then Shane will be on with us coming up on Friday. So a new quarterbacks coach in Cam Turner, Reggie Wayne, announced yesterday that he will be back for a Did that second surprise you? season. I, I thought there'd be a chance that Reggie would just want to drink Coronas and stay right. in Southern Florida. Right. I mean, when Reggie Wayne kind of alluded to the fact that the, and maybe 
you know, Reggie's got at times kind of a, that fun personality. I mean, maybe he was making light of it and he was saying like, man, the cold weather, like I'm out of here. I'm not going to stick around here. I mean, I, I don't blame him, right? But I, I did... I'm with you in the fact that I thought maybe he might have been contemplating that. I mean, it clearly shows you how much he enjoyed coaching that that room, which he said quite often last season. But still, um, that was something that um, he definitely uh, really enjoyed. And it's a room that needs continued growth as you try and support whatever the draft speaking pick of, is going to be. Rooms, I, I walked around the one that we're in. Did you see that there's one team that has a new logo? No, I did not. Mm-hmm. There's one team... When I walked around, everybody has it. And again, I know we're on radio, but just so people know. So we're in a huge room where every eight feet or so there are tables set up with the different radio team, you know, radio stations. And in addition to that, each of the NFL teams, or the majority of them, have their own digital content people that are here. So they have the big curtain backdrop behind them with the logos for the teams themselves. And... And thank you to Nick for bringing out the 93.5107.5, the fan. Yeah, we look legit. Backdrop. We do. We look very legit. Uh, well, the backdrop does. I don't know about us. Uh, there is one team, new logo on the backdrop. Really? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what it is when we come back on the other side. The Stephen Holder going to join us as well, right? Yeah, Stephen Holder. The commanders don't know what they're doing. Going to join us here in 10. We're live at the Combine Convention Center. Kevin, let me show you a side of my professional maturity. Because I have a great deal of respect, obviously, for Peter King and like him a great deal. Even though I don't know him personally, but on the show, he's always been good to us. Um, it, it has been, and I think most people know, one of my like big trigger points. I, I, and I don't even know if he was saying it serious or, seriously or sarcastically. I, I think almost sarcastically. But I, did, I gave no pushback whatsoever, and you should have been proud of me, when he said that at the NFL draft there were 600,000 people in one night in Nashville. Yeah, I texted Mark to turn off your mic. <laughs> you know, I was trying to look ahead. There is zero chance that's accurate. Yeah, you, you, you did, did resist did, the urge do there. Do people realize how many people 600,000 people is? Well, I think that's how many points Iowa scored last night in Bloomington, if I'm not mistaken. Certainly how many, how many unguarded points they scored, right? You know, I think something to look back on last night we talked about it you know there's some march ramifications from that you know and losing that game missing out on the tiebreaker um double by for the big 10 tournament those sorts of things there is like i i don't know if iu fans feel this but i certainly feel it jake there's a sense of urgency with this season because Trace Jackson Davis is gone, because Jalen Huchifino in all likelihood is going to the NBA. Like, yeah. sure, I mean, the You're transfer right. portal can offer great benefit to you, and I think the fact that Jalen Huchifino has blossomed like he has, that will be good for Michael Woodson on the recruiting front, but it's no guarantee that every five-star turns out like this. We obviously have seen that in Bloomington. So that's where you look at last night, and yes, it's you know not going to shift your seed in the NCAA tournament greatly, but it's the question of can you string performance Performances together against somewhat quality of opponent this time of year, and can you do it? Obviously, away from home. Last night was in your own building. I think that's where you look at a loss last night, and you're just like, man, if you miss out on this opportunity and you don't make the second weekend of the tournament next year, things are going to look a whole lot different. You want to maximize this opportunity as best as possible. And when you miss out on a double bye for the Big Ten, you potentially don't get maybe a three seed and get slotted in the Louisville region. That all of a sudden impacts some things and how deep of a tournament run you can make. You know, Kev, the, the guys that are frustrating to me about Indiana, I mean, 
I, I think we now know that Indiana's going to go as their backcourt play goes in shooting the basketball. You know what you're getting out of Trace Jackson Davis night in and night out. If you go, you go out there and you have your guards – you know, Miller Cop was two for five. Jalen Hutchfino's four for fourteen. Indiana ain't going to win a lot of games where Jalen Hutchfino's missing ten of his fourteen shots, right? I mean, we now know that. The other thing that drives me nuts: Malik Renew, Caleb Banks, and Tamar Bates. Those three guys. Man, Tamar Bates is just lost. I, those those three guys need to scale it back like seventy percent. They they look like like when I used to play open gym at North Central. I'd get out there and like my my brain was moving faster if you can believe that than my feet were and like I was always like way over amped and like Greg Black would be like dude calm, like just calm down slow down Tamar Bates is like at a hundred and forty percent and it's like would you slow the hell down and just play the game of basketball like what are you doing same with Banks same, all three of those guys Malik Renew he I I, I guess he has some skill set. At some point, we'll see it. But it reminds me of Hunter Perea. You know, as soon as he learns how to catch a basketball, he's going to be really good. Okay, as soon as I learn how to draw, I'll be a really good painter. I, I, I just, those three drive me nuts because when they need spark, sure, they bring it, I guess, from an energy standpoint, but they have zero clue how to play the game of basketball. Like, who coached them? We will see about the return of Xavier Johnson. He did dress last night. Um, again, Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday is senior day. Big Ten tournament starts next week. So um, that will obviously get a lot of attention heading into the final game of the regular season. All right, we are live here from the convention center at the Combine. If you missed it, Nick Sirianni, that interview coming up uh, to close out the show. When we come back, Stephen Holder joins us next. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Boy, it's picking up here, Jake. It is. There's almost 600,000 people here. Oh, God. Somebody just said, I was there. We were packed in. There were definitely 600,000 people. That, look, we know for a Are fact. Are we going back down this we road? We know for a fact that sitting side by side, 200,000 people takes two and a half miles. Right? We know, we, we know that tangibly for a fact. So three times Is this that amount. Is a math problem you've done recently? Three times that amount are in an eight square block area. Zero chance of that. Zero. Pay off your tees for the team with the logo. New England Patriots. Let me show you. Thank oh, you, is it the old Patriot logo? No, I've never seen this before. Mark, Kevin, I'm, I'm going to show you the picture that I just took, and you tell me, have you ever seen that logo? And describe wow. it. Uh, it's like a very cursive N-E Established in 1960, I have not seen that at yeah, all. Yeah, it's not only that, but it's like new colors. Like if I thought that was their MLS so team. Is that I, the New I England went, Revolution? I went and looked the New England Patriots. I mean, they still have the Patriot head thing, you know, that with the newer one that they have on the helmet. But the banner itself just says Patriots football, and then in almost an orange color, literally, it looks like Bears colors. It's the letter N and the letter E, and yeah, the letter colors N don't swoops look right. all the way down into a ribbon that says established 1960. Saving us from NFL draft attendance numbers and the logo of the New England Patriots, Stephen Holder is joining us now. Stephen will be at the Combine here in a bit. Again, Shane Steichen at 2.30, Chris Ballard at 3.30. Let's start there, Stephen. Um, what's on your mind when the Colts head coach meets the media for the second time and I guess the first time we've talked with Chris Ballard since that uh, opening press conference for Shane Steichen? 
Yeah, um, well, I want to start off topic. The, the lead-in music to this segment, Close to My Heart, The Tribe Called Quest, um, uh, that was that album. I think that was what that was. Uh, Midnight Marauders. I bought that album. I took. I borrowed my mom's minivan, 1993. That that album came out. I borrowed my mom's minivan and told her I was going to like the library, and I went to the store and bought that album the day it came out. So, good job, Mark. Nice job, Mark. Thank you, on that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Very close to my heart. Anyway, um, I I think. We don't really know anything about Shane Steichen, like nothing. <laughs> so I just want to like hear his philosophy on things and, and just with a little more depth. I think that we, for five years, to Frank Reich on a daily basis, like him or not like him, Frank Reich is very thorough. He gives you a lot of depth in terms of where he stands on things, how he sees things. I think as a fan, you should always appreciate that, right? Because not every coach is like that. It doesn't mean they are good or bad or, or otherwise if they don't do it. I'm just saying it's not typical. So I think it's going to take a little more work for us to kind of get to know what makes Shane Steichen tick, what he likes, what he doesn't like, uh, how he sees players, philosophies, all of that. So I just think every opportunity we have to talk to him is a building block. And it's going to take a little time for us to figure him out. So that's kind of where I'm at. And then I, I do want to hear his thoughts on just the quarterback class. I, I think there are there's a variety of types of guys, and and I'm just kind of interested to hear his thoughts on uh, on how he assesses that so far. You know, a, a Ballard related topic I have, Stephen, and I got to figure out how to word this because. You know, you can't just be as blunt and being like, is Ryan Kelly going to be on the team next month? Um, but that is <laughs> yeah. a question that I'm very curious about. But does he feel the offensive line needs personnel attention? I mean, when you look at yeah, it, everybody's yeah. under contract. Like, the, no one's a free agent of that starting group. Matt Pryor was benched, and he's, I think, the only free agent among the offensive line group. So when you talk about either Kelly at center, right guard with Will Fries, I assume, and, and I get their thinking with this, I assume Bernard Ryman will be the day one starter at mm-hmm. left tackle. I still think getting a veteran in there just to provide some support w- would be smart as a backup. But that is a question that I have is, do you think you have the right personnel offensive line and you just need whatever a new energy new jolt new coaching staff or if you think that group needs starting level attention in free agency and or the draft i mean it's a great question look they could in theory they could just run it back right the question is should they frankly and and i think when you see the performance of last year it was just too up and down for me it doesn't mean that you need wholesale changes, but I do think you have to ask yourself some really difficult questions. You know, I have tried to get some uh, assessments from from the team on, on players who maybe struggled last year. For example, Ryan Kelly, you know, like where is, where is he at and, and how do they view someone like him moving forward? Not just him, but like everybody, you know? And one of the things that I was told, and I think this is actually a good thing, one of the things that I was told is that they wanted to get the new staff on board and really allow the new sets of eyes to really evaluate everybody. I think that's actually healthy. And, and sometimes you learn about your own players, you know, when you get uh, a different pair of eyes looking at them and evaluating them. So I think that's going to be a, a part of this, this process, probably post-combine. 
as they head into free agency and have to start making decisions on the future and, and on players' specific fates. I think that's a, that's going to be a part of that. But but your your question overall is very appropriate. I think about the offensive line. I, I think at the end of the day, for all of the quarterback problems they had. Uh, they would have been a much more functional team last year had the offensive line performed. That is a very simple and irrefutable fact. Yeah, definitely. Steven, do you believe that the Colts would have a ceiling if, for example, the Colts feel they have to move up a spot ahead of Houston for the quarterback that they want? And if Chicago, who may be in a position to want a king's ransom do you believe the colts would have a ceiling on what they would be willing to part with a a hard Mm -hmm. thought of ceiling going into the discussion uh whether whether they have spelled it out specifically that's a little harder to say but but generally yeah i do think there's gonna come a point where in in these hypothetical conversations right because they are hypothetical we do not know if they love like love Bryce Young that much to say, hey, we're going to go to number one. There's a lot of assumptions made in that in that thinking, right? But let's let's for the sake of you know fun, let's let's make that argument and and say that they are, and you're going to make that move. You have to be completely sold, right? And and I think if you are, then then you're willing to go further. But even if you think he, this kid is going to transform your franchise, I mean. There's still you still have to leave open the possibility that you're wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, how many how many quarterback butts do we have to see to to not allow for that possibility? Right? You, you, this is not a hundred percent. This is not a one hundred percent proposition. No matter how convinced you are on any of these kids, you could be wrong. In fact, history says that half of them will be wrong. So I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, you have to have a reasonable approach to this because if you go all in and you screw it up, you are getting fired. And you should. <laughs> and you should. Okay. <laughs> and you will. And you will. But hey, Stephen, I'm very bluntly from Stephen Holder. Thank you for Steven, that. I'm convinced, though, and we've had this discussion before. And I'm not saying I blame him for it. I- I'm convinced that Chris Ballard has avoided drafting a quarterback yeah. in the NFL because of the fact that that's when your clock starts. No, it, look, he is not wrong. I-, I think I think he does. I think he's very aware of that. Look, he's to his credit, he admits it openly. Right? I actually kind of, I actually kind of admire that about him. <laughs> he's just like, hey, y'all ain't gonna fire me around here, okay? And like he's kind of open about it. I don't think that's necessarily driving every single decision. Don't get me wrong. But look, we're all human. You can't you can't wake up in the morning and, and have all this on your plate and not think, all right, well, what if I screw this up? What happens, right? I mean, yeah, you think about that. So I, I just think that's human nature. Chris Ballard just happens to openly admit it, <laughs> which, again, I weirdly appreciate about him. So... All I can say is, I, I think you're right. I don't think you're wrong, and I think it's probably true for most people in the NFL. But I also think that it can go the other way, you know, playing it safe and not taking chances, which at times he has done. You know, can can leave you in a bad place too. Like I mean, Chris Ballard's not in a place of 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 you know significant job security right now. I'm not saying like if this is a 
a mediocre season, he's getting fired. All I'm saying is, you know, look, he he's, he's, he's under some pressure, right? He's under pressure. And, and he hasn't made that big gamble to date, right? So it hasn't it hasn't necessarily worked out for him that way either. Stephen Holder from ESPN.com. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, if I threw out the number 35% chance quarterback goes 1, 2, and 3 in this draft, first three picks being quarterback, if I put that at a 35% chance, too low, too high, what do you think of that number? Hmm. That's what we saw two years ago, by the way, when you had Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance with San Francisco trading yeah. up to get Lance at three. I actually think you're you're probably you're probably spot on there. And here's why, because I, I think it's not about, oh well, I don't think this guy's as good as this guy, or that's too high for this player or that player. I, I get all those uh, uh, you know, viewpoints. Here's the thing, it only takes one. You you just mentioned a great example. Trey Lance going to San Francisco, I mean, not many of us had that pegged, right? And it only took one team. Was anybody else going to take him there? I don't know. But they did. <laughs> and that's all that matters. And I think that's that's kind of what you're, what the, the possibilities are here because you have a group of about four quarterbacks. We know who they are and who are kind of you know, the most sought-after Whatever way you want to rank them and however high you think they should go, there's a group of four quarterbacks, right? There are substantially more than four teams that need quarterbacks. And by the way, the free agent class is absolutely terrible. So, you know, I'm just telling you, I think their value is getting pushed up. It's no coincidence that Anthony Richardson is getting all of this buzz lately. And it's because I think look at the landscape. The, the odds are he's going to go a lot higher than people think. And it's really just a supply and demand situation. Stephen, in terms of the workouts here, Stephen Holder's our guest. He's on the Payless Sickers Hotline, and you can read him at ESPN.com. In terms of the workouts that take place here at the Combine, give me an example of, or an idea, like we'll take the Colts. So the quarterbacks are working out, or the linemen, whatever it might be. Who, what, rep, how many representatives for each franchise are actually personally in attendance watching those workouts? Oh, I think at the combine, uh, probably a majority of the front office is is there, uh, just because they're all you know on site anyway. Um, and you have a team suite, right, inside of Lucas Oil yeah, Stadium? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, I mean, look, it's. it's banana. I, I think it depends. Maybe if you're the, you know, if if you're the, you know, offensive line coach, are you watching the are you watching the uh, the defensive line drills? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Right, but. But certainly, for the coaches, the, the position coaches, they are certainly invested in in the positions that they coach, or at least their side of the ball. And and then the front office, from the scout standpoint, and and the uh, you know the the team executives, yeah, they definitely are are in attendance, definitely paying attention. I, yeah, I think it matters. Look, it's not the most important thing, but. But look, everything matters. That's, I forget who was saying this yesterday, but like every little thing matters, and and you you'd be surprised. I mean, sometimes it's one particular movement a player might make where you're like, man, I didn't know he could move like that, and now 
they're going back to the file to figure out, all right, who's this guy? What do we not know about him? What do, what more do we need to know, et cetera? I mean, it, it, everything matters, and, and they're available to you. You might as well take advantage of it. Now, I would say this. Uh, there are some things that matter more, and so the, the quarterback workouts, right? I think – I think it's going to matter a lot for a guy like Anthony Richardson, for example, right? I mean, he has, he has to go in there and look the part. And he's going to go run, you know, some ridiculous 40 time. He's going to have, you know, like a, a you know, 4,000 foot vertical jump or something. But, you know, they want to see how he throws, what his technique look like. Does he look the part? And I think that's a guy who can really help himself. Right? Not to keep harping on him, but he's just a really good example of what we're talking about. Now, pardon my naivete on this also, Stephen, or, or Kevin, either one of you guys. Let's say there is a player, not quarterback, but, you know, whatever, a tight end, that the Colts see at the combine and they think, okay, we really like this, this guy's skill set. Then they go to, let's say, that kid's pro day. Are they limited to the number of times that they can then have him work out or approach him? Are there league rules where they cannot then privately or independently say, you know what, that, that guy caught our eye, and we went to his pro day, we liked him there, so let's work him out even a third time or bring him to the complex ahead of time. Are there rules against those things? No, you, you actually can go do a private workout with the kid, and, and that does happen. So oftentimes uh, it'll be the team going to – wherever that player is, where he's, you know, sort of preparing for the draft and or his college campus, whatever, it doesn't matter. And and you would you would elect to have a, a private workout. That does happen a lot. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, those things they try to keep them quiet and sometimes we don't hear about it, but it does happen quite a bit. And I think generally it happens not so much with the marquee players, but maybe with guys who are a little further down the board. The reason for that is if you are uh, the agent of a of a marquee player, if he had a good pro day, you want to just leave that alone, right? You you don't want to you don't want to mess with that and, and maybe give a team reason to second guess. Uh, so if he's performed well, you're probably just gonna say, all right, I'm gonna stand on what I've done. But if you're a guy who's kind of you know in the uh, a second day pick or beyond that, and a, a team is interested in doing a private workout with you, that's in your best interest. That tells me. Like, they are super interested uh, because they're going to go through the, the effort to do that. Um, I, would, I would definitely show up for that and definitely be on board. Yeah, that. I mean, la- I mean, last year, what was it? Ballard, Alec, uh, Reggie Wayne. Uh, I feel like there were some others that went down to Cincinnati to see Frank Alec Wright Pierce. Did, yeah. yeah, Frank. Uh, went with, I'm sure Desmond Ritter. You know, I'm sure there were some others involved um, in that private workout. Um, last one for me, Stephen. Uh, the Matt Ryan situation, I, I don't think, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I don't think we expect him to be on the team in 2023, but there are some financial <laughs> implications on whether he's cut before the new league year begins two weeks from today, or if he retires, uh, he'd be foolish to retire in the next two weeks, right? I mean, financially, oh. he wants to make a little bit more money and make the Colts cut him, right? Look, if I'm if I'm Matt Ryan, I... Look, my opinion is I owe you guys no favors, okay? <laughs> exactly. Right. You put me through the ringer this year. Now, granted, he did not play well, right? He did his own damage. I, I'm, right, not, but I, I'm not suggesting that he's a victim here. However, His contract's a contract, though. Yeah, and, you know, he got, he got jerked around a little bit, certainly got benched twice. I, I want my money. Pay me. And the only thing we got to discuss is, is it going to be direct deposit or you, or you write me a check? Okay, that's the only conversation in my book. All right. Pay me my money. If I'm Matt Ryan, pay me and then, you know, have a nice life. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, hard to argue that, man. I think it's. I want to say it's six million you owe in if he retires, and it's like seventeen if he doesn't retire. Yeah. Does that sound right? You also right, save because, like seventeen or eighteen. Right, because then those guarantees would not be would would not be in effect. I, I believe that's how that would work. Right. So yeah, that's why when he said after the season, "Oh, I'm not thinking about retirement," I was like, "I know you're not thinking about retirement because you'd be an idiot." So. Yep. I, I do believe that he's interested in playing, and and the market is so bad that it's not like completely out of the question that if you could get him cheap as as some kind of mentor quarterback, maybe you'd consider it. I don't think you want to play Matt Ryan in 2023, but I don't know. In the in the perfect situation, maybe it's maybe it's viable. I don't know. Maybe Steven. maybe some you know veteran backup for Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan or something, you know? When I was when I was 17, I wasn't thinking about failing algebra. It just happened, right? Algebra yeah. failed me. I mean, yeah. although you're right, he might have options. I To me, the more bizarre storyline is that a year ago, one would think that by 2023, midway through the year, that Matt Ryan and Nick Foles, neither one would be living in Indianapolis and Carson Wentz might. Uh, you know, <laughs> just hanging out. Strange times we live in, isn't it? That, that's right. I think they all live pretty close to each other. They do. There. I think they all do, yeah. In, uh, in Boone County. Steven, safe travels down here to the Combine. As always, great stuff, man. We'll see you uh, We'll see you in a bit. All right, guys. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. If you missed our Nick Sirianni interview from earlier, we're going to re-rack that coming up in about 20 minutes. Pop quiz in a few, 317-239-1070. But let, let's lead off the morning check down with, uh, let's just say, a uh, very animated Mike Woodson post game last night. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. No other way to say it. It was brutal for the Hoosiers last night. 90-68, to 68, Iowa all over Indiana. It was so bad that Iowa had players blowing kisses to the crowd and getting technical <laughs> fouls, and their coaches didn't even care about it. They were all just laughing. Matter of fact, I don't know if you caught this or not, Kevin, but the Iowa players weren't the only ones laughing. A couple of Indiana players caught enjoying a few giggles themselves towards the end of the game, which did not sit well with the Indiana fan base, nor should it. The Hoosiers last night, Jalen Hutchfino, 4-14 from the floor. Trace Jackson Davis did become the all-time rebound leader in IU history, but Iowa absolutely carved them up, did whatever they wanted in terms of their offensive sets. And afterwards, Mike Woodson tried to make sense of all of it and was simply asked, what in the hell just happened? And we go a little something like this. Hit it. You saw the same game I did tonight. Thought we prepared. You know what I mean? They just competed, man. They they came in here and kicked our ass. It was just that simple. How about playing some defense? That'll help, which was non-existence tonight. I think the tone look is longer than the Mike Woodson answers. I wouldn't it be non-existent? I'm not going to get too technical with him. The man was clearly <laughs> pissed was off last happy. night. Uh, nah, 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 Kevin. P.O. How about that? 
Thank you, Mrs. Bowen. Uh, the press conference lasted just a hair over two minutes for Mike Woodson last night. They gave up 90. Iowa has had IU's number in the Woodson era. That is four straight wins, all over 80 points. Defensively, just major issues for IU last night. And again, we've talked about this throughout the show. March implications with that loss, that could be the, the difference in IU playing one day earlier in the Big Ten tournament. Now, if you want to be glass half full, Iowa played a day earlier last year and they won the Big Ten tournament, but maybe no double buy now for the Hoosiers with the Big Ten tournament starting this time next week up in Chicago. Jake, uh, I was up at uh, Hinkle last night. Butler, 72-56 losers to Marquette. It was senior night for Eric Hunter. Uh, he was a lone senior, obviously had a nice career at Purdue. Um, but that's the only senior that uh, Butler honored last night. Again, continued struggles on the offensive end of the floor. And boy, you watch Marquette. No one should be shocked if Marquette makes it all the way to Houston. Yeah, Marquette, I, I mean, a team that at the beginning of the year, we talked about this yesterday, you know, when, when Purdue beat Marquette, you thought, okay, yeah, that might be a decent win at the end of the year. That's a that's a big win for them now. Have you seen the Shaka Smart wardrobe? No. He looks like me during golf tryouts back in the day. Really? You know, golf tryouts are typically this time of year. I'm for still high freaked out golfers. by Shaka Smart with hair, to be honest with well, you. Well, the hair, and then he just goes kind of long sleeve underneath the collared golf shirt. Uh, yeah, it's quite the look for Shaka Smart, but he clearly can coach basketball. That Marquette team, um, pretty good one. Uh, on the mid-major front, Jake, from last night? Uh, also on the mid-major front from last night, we talked about the fact that Ball State had a chance to pull even with Kent State in the max standings. Unfortunately, 87-83, Kent State gets the win. Now, in terms of tonight, uh, mid-major, does that include Notre Dame and Pitt? Are we going to oh, put that in the mid-major <laughs> Now, if you guys want to get over to the house a little bit earlier, we can kind of all go around the room and share our favorite Mike Bray thought. I thought we could do that before we the final game. game. So, yeah, I was thinking 640, 645. That would help getting the kids down. And, again, we can uh, celebrate Coach Bray. One, now, one Jake, final Kevin has the ball. It's his turn to speak. <laughs> the uh, Teach good life lessons for Rosie and Max. Good the idea, game Mark. tips at 7 p.m. That's one hour afternoon for every game in which Notre Dame has consecutively lost. Iris come in with a seven-game losing streak. Ten and 19 overall. Southern Indiana, by the way, and SIU Edwardsville also playing at 7 o'clock tonight. That is the opening round of the OVC men's tournament. In the Horizon League tournament last night, Antoine Davis had 38. That puts him now within 30 points. I think 26, you had said, Kevin, of Pete Maravich's all-time scoring record in NCAA Division One basketball. Granted, Antoine Davis had a three-point line and two extra years of eligibility, but nonetheless, a dynamic score for Mike Davis' kid. And the season over for IPY? Is that right? Bob Morris got it done last yeah, night? Yeah, Robert Morris beat him for the seventh time in the last three weeks last night, and... <laughs> It's over for IUPUI. In Dallas last night, it was the Pacers with back-to-back road wins, something we have not said many times, certainly, over the last couple of months. 124-122. Kyrie Irving, as he did a lot last night, clanged a three at the buzzer. Pretty good defense by T.J. McConnell. Saved Andrew Nemhard, who missed two free throws on the other end, with seven seconds to go. Halliburton outstanding. Miles Turner continues to be really consistent. And, Jake, I thought quality minutes off the bench. Jordan Wara and Jalen Smith. Kudos to Jalen Smith. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he, he had missed. He fell out of rotation, Kevin, and Flat then the was called, and he goes out there and, and plays well. 11-9 in 15 minutes for Jalen Smith at San Antonio tomorrow night. The Pacers have started this four-game road trip 2-0 and uh, and two games away from <laughs> us hosting a party here at the convention center. Uh-huh, that's right. You're paying for the whole thing, right? Can we invite all these people? Sure. Why not? Bye.
give them something to party about, right? Uh, Pop Quiz is coming up next. 317-239-1070. Again, we'll have the Nick Sirianni interview in about 15 minutes, but Pop Quiz time here on Kevin Aquari live from the Convention Center. Callers to line up for the pop quiz, right? 239-1070 is the telephone number. Your chance at a Jiffy Lube oil change in a very manageable, very manageable pop quiz. Very familiar names on it. We're live here at the convention center. Uh, Going to field the pop quiz to you. Again, Shane Sykin at 2.30. Chris Ballard at 3.30. Ballard will be on with John later today. And we'll have Shane Sykin join us coming up on Friday uh, and Nick Sirianni that interview will re-rack here coming up in about 10 minutes do you, do you think it's because everybody got tired of my logo chat that nobody was listening when we threw out for the pop quiz is that possible well I, I maybe it was they wanted to hear more about your NFL draft counting there's no way there were 600,000 people that's all I'm saying yeah this pop quiz does look pretty manageable yeah very do you know how many people... That's, that's literally in every resident of Marion County. Can you imagine if you took every resident of Marion County and told them, like, okay, everybody go to Monument Circle. You're telling me that it would be six blocks? Defensive players chatting at the Combine here on this Wednesday morning. Yes. Workouts will begin tomorrow. Uh, if, you're looking for the co- if you're looking for the quarterbacks, they will meet the media coming up on Friday, and they will hit the field Saturday. I think it's 1 o'clock. The quarterbacks will throw to the wideouts and tight ends here. Again, Bryce Young will not throw. Hendon Hooker will not throw. But it sounds like Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, all three of them will throw. Okay, Mark, we'll let you pick the caller. How's that? Okay. We got callers lined up. Who are we going with? One through eight. Let's go with three. Jonathan. Jonathan, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Not bad. You doing all right? Yeah, just... uh Enjoying a beautiful weather outside today. Yeah, I heard it's supposed to be nice. It'll be the first second to... there. I thought he was going to say, "Just enjoying a beer." I thought, <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> Which, actually, I mean, Jonathan, uh, <laughs> zero judgment there. Uh, Seventy degrees in March first. It's a good day to have a beer oh, yeah. outside. All right, Jonathan, would you like for me that would be Jake or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one of the pop quiz? Let's go with Jake. Okay, here we go, Jonathan. Keeping in mind my age, that is your huge hint for this one. Last night in Indiana's loss to Iowa, Trace Jackson Davis became Indiana's all-time career rebounding leader. Who that I shared a third-grade class with and rode the school bus with every morning did he break the record of? Was it Walt Bellamy, Kent Benson, Archie Dees, or Alan Henderson? Go with Walt. Okay. Walt Bellamy, Jake Query yeah, here, my, ringing in at 72 my, years old. are the same age. That is my not classmate, Walt Bellamy. Okay. Uh, number two, the Hawkeyes, Jonathan. They beat the Hoosiers by 22 last night. Name the last unranked team to beat IU by 20 or more points at Assembly Hall. Was it A, Michigan, B, Purdue, Fort Wayne, C, Indiana State, D, Purdue? Ooh, um, Why do I feel like just what? Jonathan? Jonathan, just go with Purdue Fort Wayne on this one. That's what I was gonna go with. Yeah. Well, well I don't feel like that game was at Fort Wayne. I remember some student bringing like a bottle of bleach on the court when they stormed the court and like acting like he was that. drinking it. <laughs> maybe they beat him twice. <laughs> I think they did. Maybe. Uh, okay. The Pacers Texas trip continues tomorrow night in San Antonio. 
The Spurs halted a franchise record losing streak with a win last night in Utah. Within two, how many games in a row had the Spurs lost, which happens to also be the age in which one gets their driver's license, before last night's victory? 16. Okay. All right, number four here, Jonathan, on this day in 1996. This coach became the first in NBA history to reach reach 1,000 career wins. He also has a lot of losses. A, Pat Riley. B, Lenny Wilkins. C, Bill Fitch. D, Dick Mata. Um, A lot of losses as well. Still with Mata. Okay, last question. Greg Popovich and Doc Rivers are the only active NBA head coaches with 1,000 or more regular season wins. Which NBA head coach and occasional listener of this program uh, was active this se- who is active this season is closest to 1,000 wins but not there yet? Is it Dwayne Casey, Eric Spolster, Rick Carlisle, or Nate McMillan? Spolster. The whole, like, firing of Nate McMillan, hiring of Quinn Snyder midseason, is that odd? Feels totally fishy, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like there was some back-channeling going on there. Very odd. All right, sitting in the emergency exit on Bus 65 in Washington Township, was it Jake and Walt Bellamy? <laughs> <laughs> it was fellow Steinmeier resident of our childhood, Alan Henderson. Mm, Alan you Henderson. It! Purdue Fort Wayne, 16. Lenny Wilkins, and, of course, the occasional listener, allegedly, of this program, Rick Carlisle, was the answer for question yeah. number five. The spry Lenny Wilkins at, the, or at, at 74 for Jake, so there you go. Well, again, RIP to Walt Bellamy back in 2013. He passed at the age of 74, so the math there, 83 years old if Walt was still with yeah. us. Jake, just a That was few. the ego shot of the day right there. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one there. That was, be- was a great player. Bells, Newburn, North Carolina, 1960 graduate and All-American and Olympian for Indiana. Yeah, and that could be clipped out and added to uh, Jake's LinkedIn anytime <laughs> soon. Here. Right. All right, Nick Sirianni next. The Fan. All right, good Wednesday morning to you. We are live here at the Indiana Convention Center. I'm certainly one of the more popular faces has joined us right now. I would assume the reaction, Nick Sirianni, to you coming to downtown Indianapolis may be a little bit different than when you exited Lucas Oil Stadium (laughs) back in early November. Uh, We don't need to begin with that, but... um, Shane Steichen, the hire here, um, was listening to your podium session a little bit earlier, and obviously he was a guy that you entrusted a whole lot. What will you lose the most in not having Shane with you? Yeah, you know, obviously, anytime you lose good people, you're, it's it affects you. It affects you. And Shane, I always thought Shane just had a phenomenal way about calling a calling a game. And I started off calling games in in Philly. Uh, and I and I thought to myself, man, I you know I, I need to be able to manage the game better. And I have this great play caller who did a great job with the Chargers calling plays. Uh, you know I need to entrust him, and he just never let me down on that. Uh, he was awesome on that. He does a great way about calling plays, how to stay calm through the through the madness of a game, um, through maybe the head coach yelling uh, at his direction, and then still staying calm. Like Shane's was very steady, um, and so you know that's that's one thing that sticks out with Shane. 
Kane of just his ability to call a game, his ability, you know, how much he, how good he is with the offense, is, you know, how good he is connecting with players, his accountability with players, and you know, he's a good friend of mine. Obviously, I miss that friendship that I have with Shane as well. You called him a special play caller. What makes a special play caller? You know, it's 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 hard to say um, exactly what that is. It's just like, hey, calling the plays at the right time that are just, you know, man, how did you you felt you just felt that in that moment, right? And, and yeah, just felt that in that moment. Preparation, also, you know, um, but you know, there, there's feel to it. But then the preparation of leaving no stone unturned and going through every every detail that you could possibly go through to put yourself in position. Yeah, we ask our players to put themselves in every position they can. How am I running this play versus this look or that look or this look or that look? I try to do the same as a coach. And so his preparation second to none as well. You know, the natural thought process, I think, Coach, for a lot of fans is the comparison to you because, you know, for all the obvious reasons. So when, when people are looking at Shane Steichen coming in as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and they're saying, hey, this is going to be like what Nick Sirianni did in Philly. What is it like? You know, what what things do you have in common with him? For maybe from approach and detriment, and or, or excuse me, approach and and style. And then, are there any things that are, that are different that you look at it and you say? you know what, maybe he learned from an area where, where there was a detriment of something I did that he could have learned from. Sure. I think what we, we always try to do as coaches is learn some things from, from guys of what you would do and how you would do it and take little parts of where you've where you've been and try to, you know, say, here here's how I would do it, right? And so I'm sure Shane's taking a little bit from from Norv and a little Norv Turner, a little bit from Frank Reich, a little bit from me, a little bit from Anthony Lynn, a little bit from Mike McCoy and, and making it his own. Um, you know, that's what that's what you that's what you try to do is and, and do what you think's right and what you're convicted in, um, you know, to make sure you're running the program the the way you want it want it to be run. And so, um, you know, Shane, to say anything as far as systems go, like he's got to figure out who's here first, right? And I think that that's what Shane and I have done. And and, and what the example of that is like, hey, neither of us have ever ever run an offense quite like the one we ran this year. We had you know these type of players and this. Is how we ran the offense. You try to cater to the quarterback first. So I think, you know, to say this is what you know Shane will do because we did this and will he use some concepts from from Philly? I imagine so that he will. Um, but he's you know he'll I know what Shane will do. He'll figure out what his players do, figure out what his players do well, and he'll try to replicate that. And does that always happen immediately? No, because you got to you got to go through training camp. You got to go through OTAs. You got to go through preseason games. You got to go through a couple. It it took us about five or six games. Before before we were hit our stride and said, this is what we do well. This is what we're going to continue to do. And so, you know, I know Shane will, will figure out what his guys do well and, uh, you know, and adapt to them, especially that court, whoever that quarterback is. He was here as Colts offense coordinator from 2018 to 2020. Nick Sirianni, obviously Eagles head coach, with us uh, live at the convention center. I asked Shane at his opening presser the biggest thing he learned from you as a first-time head coach. He said accountability. How as a head coach do you go about being accountable? Yeah, first of all, the accountability starts with yourself um, and admitting, you know, when you've messed up, right? And so if I'm going to 
get up in front of the room and talk to the guys about things that uh, that need to be corrected from the game or from practice, I better be saying the things that I did wrong too, right, and, and, and going that way. But I think what people think is accountability, and so it starts there where you're holding yourself accountable. You want our players to get better every day, we got to get better every day. You want players to be, hold each other accountable and hold themselves accountable, you got to hold yourself accountable. But I think what a misconception sometimes about accountability is that it has to be negative. That's not that's not at all accurate. And and accountability, like, sure, you when it's when it's not done the right way, you you go through your process of, of how you correct that action. But when it's done the way that you really wanted it to be done and way you know it needs to be done to, to compete at a high level, that's just as good accountability because you're like you're going crazy about that. Like sometimes it looks like you're you're losing your mind, but you're losing your mind in such a good way. You're like that's exactly the way it's supposed to look. <laughs> that's exactly how I want it to look. And and so like and then that's the reinforcement. Like and the man, that's exactly what he wants. And then when you do it this way, it looks good. We're playing good. So accountability starts with you. And then accountability doesn't just have to be negative. Right? You want to you want to be positive in your accountability too because you're just trying. To reinforce the actions you want to re, uh, continue to have, you're literally like the perfect fit for Philadelphia, aren't you? <laughs> like I'm not kidding you. Like it, it feels, it almost is like there was no other franchise that would have been a better fit. Yeah, I guess that's I grew up on the East Coast. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, like you know, know what I mean. Like you just you kind of have that like Rocky Balboa like get up. Like do you drink raw eggs in the morning? I the de- whole deal. I, I definitely do not do that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably smart. But do I? But do I love Rocky the Rocky movies? Yeah. Did I just start watching them with my son um, before basketball games? I did. Have you run the steps? You know what? I have, but he hasn't. So I need to take him. There's your project, season. right? It's an off-season but vacation. It's right there. amazing. Like, I mean, shoot, we're sitting there watching Rocky. I said, "Hey, what did what'd you learn? Work and hey, work hard. If I want to, yeah. if I want to beat Ivan Drago, I got to work hard." <laughs> so I'm like, "That's exactly what I wanted my son to say." Hey, I, let me ask you about this. I mean, Kevin made mention of it, and we can make light of it now and joke around about you know what it meant to you to come back to Indianapolis and win. And I think people know your relationship, your admiration, your respect for Frank Wright. And knowing the way that things ended for Frank Reich in Indianapolis, part of that's the nature of the business. Sure. But when Shane Steichen came to you and said, I have an opportunity, you said, oh, great. It's Indianapolis. What was your reaction? And was there any second of thinking to yourself, could there be somewhere else? Yeah, not, not even actually, not even a little bit. Um, I, I, when he said it's Indianapolis and I, I was just so happy there's so many so many great people in this city and there's so many great people in that in that building right like shoot we talk we still talk to our friends uh, over in uh, Bridgewater where we where we lived right um, and then I just think about all the great people that they have in, in that building like uh, you know I, I have I had a phenomenal three years here, um, and that and that starts with the the people you're around every day when you go to work. That starts with the people that you're around when you when you live in the city. And so, um, I told them how much I liked it, liked living here. I told them how much I liked working in that building, um, and I was really happy for them to, uh, you know, to um, to have that opportunity. I, you know, and, and imagine he'll move somewhere that has a golf. I, I miss that golf cart I used to have that I used to drive. <laughs> He's got to have his kid watch Hoosiers though instead of Rocky, right? Yeah, you got you got to have you got to have the. On. He's got to make the drive down the, the street to go see Hoosiers. But, you know, I told him how much I like that golf cart that you drive around the neighborhood with in one of those communities. That's why I miss, I miss that golf cart. That I, used to have. <laughs> I can't have that in, uh, in Philly. What's I, the biggest challenge in going from 
for you, was there a moment when you went from coordinator to head coach where all of a sudden you're like, oh man, like I, now it's real? And, and what is what is the adjustment he's going to have to make? Um, there's always different, you know, different things there. Like I really felt prepared. Uh, I really did, and hopefully I, I helped Shane, you know, in this journey to help him get prepared as well. Um, I just always remember Frank pulling me aside and saying stuff like, "Hey, when you're head coach, you're going to have to." think through this just like I did right here and there's what I did like he, he made it he was very intentional Frank was very intentional about helping me develop into uh, into the head coach into a head coach right and I tried to do those same things for Jonathan and Shane and so hopefully you know Shane is, is seeing all those things um, and he takes a look like, like I said takes a little bit from each person that he has and 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 when he gets in those situations um, to to um, you know, to be able to handle it the way he thinks is right. But also when he gets in those situations, you know, obviously you try to prepare guys as much as you possibly can and help them prepare as much as you can. But you, you can't go through everything, right? And so when he gets in those situations, he knows he can call me. And I know he knows he can call Frank. I know he knows he can call, you know, his other mentors. And, and you know, when he when he has those. And, and Gus Bradley, right? I, that, shoot, Gus was a big mentor for, for both Shane and I, you know, when we were together and with the Chargers. I still talk to Gus and, and and he still helps me through through different situations. So you, you you're never going to have all the answers, and and be re- be ready to reach out and uh, and reach out to people that you trust when you when you need to when you need to ask questions. Nick, last one from me. You know, I brought it up to start the interview. Obviously, your reaction at the end of that Colts Eagles game back in November got a lot of fanfare on our airwaves. Um, they were the, mad at me. The, well, <laughs> that's probably an accurate statement. The little bit that I know of you, I, I simply said that Monday, that is the competitive spirit that I know that you live with in every walk of life, not just the game of football. But it was that combination with your loyalty to Frank Reich. Is that accurate in your emotion at the end of that game? Yeah, you know, obviously very competitive. I think one of my friends <laughs> said, some, some one of my friends who actually went to the Super Bowl, he said, um, you know, um, one of the one of the people that he works with that came in and was like, did you see Nick at the end of the game? He goes, yeah, that's how Nick is when we used to play Nintendo together I was say, when we were kids. Is like, that you like winning a beer pong, you know, game? One hundred percent. And so like then he's like, that's that's just what that's just who he is. But but also you know I was I was raised in a home where family was everything, right? And uh, you know faith, family, football, and um, you know I, I can remember you know if my brother's teams had a bad game, um, they, I had two older brothers. And if my brother's team's had a bad game, I, I'm crying, right? I, I got emotional about it. Or if somebody said something about my brother's, hey, he, he didn't play quarterback very well. Like, I'm ready to I'm ready to be really pissed off, right? Mm-hmm. And and so for, I, tr- I think of Frank as, like, my older brother. And uh, and that's just when, 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 that's just how you feel about your family. And you're just you're just loyal. And, you're, and because, you know, they've always had your back. You've always had their back. And you always want what's best for them. And, and you don't and you don't like it. When it's when it's when it's not the best for them. So now, what what were you yelling? That's what I want to know. That that stays there. (laughs) Was it to Philly fans or Indy fans? Uh, It stays there too. Oh darn it! I I I tried. Safe travels home. That's right. You know. (laughs) Hey, you need to go. uh, And I realize that you're fairly busy here while you're in town. Um, You need to go to 47th and Boulevard to Hoagies and Hops because literally, the gal that runs it is is from Philly. 
Okay. And you walk in and you would think that are you, you s- are across the street. Like, it, literally, it's entirely Philadelphia I Eagles I feel like stuff. you might be setting me up and, is, and there's going to be no. all the Colts fans. <laughs> I'm telling you. After the they game. sit you. behind the visiting had, bench every single game they had, and they've been waiting for they you. They had <laughs> Super Bowl specials. They had the entire place was Fly what Eagles is, Fly. What is it called again? Hogies and Hops. Hogies it's at 47. Just out the Butler. Yeah, just just out the Butler. That was one of my regrets being here. I didn't get to go to a Butler game. Oh, yeah. I heard it was awesome. I was at Hinkle last night for the game. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was an awesome time up there. Um, unbelievable success. Thank Proud you. of you. Um, I know it's uh, probably been a whirlwind these last couple of years, but I think Jake summed it up pretty well. You, you, you fit Philly really well, and it's uh, darn impressive. Hey, what are you and Shane next year both going to be in the headset of former Alabama quarterbacks on the field? What do you think? Uh, I can't answer. That. I don't know. What, listen, I, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't. We don't share secrets anymore. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, Jim Mercy had a slip up. Nick Sirianni's not going to have a that's slip right. up here. With right. us. Thanks, Nick. Enjoy, Andy. All right, Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Again, if you missed that on the podcast, Nick Sirianni with us here on Kevin and Corey. Shane Steichen going to join us coming up on Friday. We had Peter King on earlier today and Stephen Holder. Um, again, lay of the land for the rest of the day, Jake. Uh, currently, defensive guys are wrapping up their media sessions just on the other side of this curtain. This afternoon, it'll be Shane Steichen at 2.30, Chris Ballard at 3.30, and John will have Chris Ballard on live later today. I felt bad because I just went on the other side, which is where, like, along the lining of the wall about every, I don't know, 10 feet or so are podiums with different players that are doing media interviews and most of them have anywhere from 8 to 20 media members standing around asking them questions. There were were two guys standing at their podium and no one was talking to them. Then I felt bad. One of them, I just went up and made up a question. Sorry, how things going? You know, what? Who are you talking to? I have no idea who I just talked to. And then he immediately walked away. Probably made him feel really bad. See you later. I, I told him, I said, you and I have something in common, brother. I've been talking all morning and nobody's listening to me either. <laughs> Did you see you know? the uh, IU linebacker, Cam Jones? Was he over there? Uh, he was over there, yep. Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame. So, again, defensive guys today. Workouts begin tomorrow. The quarterbacks will throw Saturday afternoon. Thank you to Nick Seriani, Peter King, Stephen Holder. We'll talk to you tomorrow live from the Combine.